the Video Games Podcast. I'm Sam Roberts, and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, you've been playing a bit of Ghostwire Tokyo recently, according to your Twitter feed anyway. I saw you had a preview go up on Rock, Paper, Shotgun. How's, uh, how's that been for you? It has been merely fine, is my searing hot take. The worst of all takes. No one wants to hear that. They want to hear it's terrible or it's brilliant. It's it's fine. It feels like a team making their first sort of open world first person game, which they are, and kind of getting their heads around it. And it's maybe a little basic. The Tokyo is absolutely amazing. The game in it, I'm not so sold on, is kind of my top level take. Okay. Was um this wasn't Evil Within Two also an open world game? Did I imagine that? It had a couple of open world like hub areas. Mm-hmm. You can see how it's a step towards this, but this is like. You know, this is more like a, I don't know, a Far Cry, but right. in Tokyo. So it's, you know, it's very open, you know, that you can climb up onto the rooftops. You can kind of go anywhere within the city. It's it's pretty detailed. It's like a like a very big, uh, it's like Yakuza level detail, but kind of stretched to an entire city, mm. which that's the exciting bit. You know, if, you, if you're just like seeing like rad Tokyo shit, um, <laughs> this will definitely tick that box. And the combat's fine, but... Like the filler in it is very poor, I think. Okay. Um, but I've got to, yeah, I got to, I got to play more and deliver the review next week and see see how it goes. But it's um, just a little soft by Nakami standards. Hasn't mm. got much bite to it, which is quite odd because even in his average stuff, it usually has like a, a bit of a sting, a bit of a crunchy kind of feel, and this this sort of lacks that. Okay, interesting. Well, there you go. Little kind of micro preview from Matthew Castle. Yeah, there there this, you go. This podcast is uh, is free, and you got that opinion for free. So uh, <laughs> look out for on Rock Paper Shotgun. I'm guessing for the full review at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Matthew, we've reached episode sixty nine. Nice and. Um, <laughs> Oh dear, that really sets a poor tone for what's going to follow, doesn't it? Um, in fact, we definitely should have made this the Game Squad episode, episode sixty-nine. That would have been more in keeping yeah. with the trash factor of that. We were um, shocked by how many people liked the Game Squad, and no one said, "What is this load of old rubbish? You two have spins." Like I was expecting <laughs> I a think, bit of that. I think we're just uh, a lot more worried about these things than other people are, <laughs> and uh, like I think we've just got quite exacting standards, and people people liked it. It's just I think it's more a testament also to the. Like the previous game score, I, I thought like the Michael Caine stuff, um, not to toot our own horns, really <laughs> landed for me. And I felt like we were in the shadow of Kane the whole time. <laughs> uh, and so I, I was worried the, the wine pulping wasn't, uh, wasn't really going to resonate. But hey, listen, people seem to have enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Um, but sure. I'm going to do more research for the next one because I had some very lacklustre takes <laughs> where you basically say game, I'd say I haven't played it and then kill the person, <laughs> which is just like it, it really had no nutritional value. <laughs> I love that you're pretending that the uh, that like there's um, any kind of more value to be had from the game's court format than just well, like putting glads to death for the fun of it. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, but I, like if I had looked at some of these games and I'd formed like an instant hot take that I could have delivered, yeah. I think that might have had a bit more sort of substance. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Good um, 7 out of 10 review of our own podcast there. But, um, <laughs> well, I must say, I thought it was conceptually neat, your uh, whole Kirby Hitman um, assassin idea. I thought oh, that was thank you. Yeah, I thought that was like, you know, uh, I could see the, the cogs were in there. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it, didn't, yeah. Yeah. it didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I 
I picked a guy famous for throwing wine because I knew that he could chuck a bottle at some point, but yeah. um, that required quite deep knowledge <laughs> of uh, Ace Attorney Chronicles. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. D- deep knowledge that our own listeners suggested in the Discord should be um, should have been should be mentioned. So that was um, that was kind of good. <laughs> but I, I was going to say as well that like. Um, We've actually, for people who want to like submit their entries for Games Court, we now have a specific channel for it on our Discord. So if you go to our Twitter at Backpage Pod, and then go to click on the Discord link, join up, you can actually submit entries through there. So um, it might lead to us having e- episodes of Games Court a little bit faster than normal because they're quite hard to get entries for because they kind of need to put out an email call out and stuff. So the fact there's now one place where they can be deployed is um, is useful. So yeah, people can go do that. But this episode, Matthew is about the PS Vita. So we're doing another Ooh. draft episode, a competitive draft, where me and Matthew have to pick a list of games each to represent the best of a console's lineup. Kind of vaguely put under the umbrella of what if we made a mini version of a console, um, an old console in the style of the um, SNES Classic uh, Mini or the um, whatever the PlayStation one was called. But um, that makes no sense to the PS Vita, really, because the PS Vita is already quite small. So how would you make a smaller <laughs> version of it? Um, it wouldn't really make sense. But... You know, it's basically just a draft to pick the best games. So, Matthew, let me ask you, top-level thoughts, PS Vita, doing a whole episode about this, uh, Sony handheld, very much second place to the 3DS since generation. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I'm feeling okay. I feel like I've been educating myself a bit. I had a Vita, but I had quite limited experience of it. I feel like you're better clued into these things, and so it's been quite eye-opening to dig into it. Um Both Vita and PSP, I'd say, are a bit of a blind spot for me in terms of, you know, I was on Endgamer, I was so focused on what was going on in Nintendo Land, my perception of these consoles is slightly skewed. Um, This isn't preamble to me uh, upsetting you again by claiming that uh, (laughs) (laughs) I always thought it was trash or something. Um, But I, I feel like a lot of the Vita story kind of or affection sort of happens a bit post vita i think it's more highly thought of now than it was then and at the time it didn't feel like a big thing like in the future offices and in my nintendo bubble is is sort of my take yeah so let me like put something on the table for you right um actually no first of all i'll ask um did a burglar also steal your vita like they stole the family hoover in your psp (laughs) Uh, did that happen or no, that didn't happen. Okay, okay. Yeah. We didn't um, have to have a lineup of Vitas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, yeah the old um, you know Tiger LCD handheld next to it. And like, yeah. Oh, I think it's that one. Um, yeah. So let me put this on the table. I think the PSP is a slightly underrated console, whereas I think the PS Vita it's not overrated, but I think it's rated like I think it's rated fairly by the num- the number of people. It's got enough people in its corner to feel like it's being rated fairly for what it did. Whereas I think the PSP was actually like pretty undervalued in terms of the breadth of its value, uh, its library. Yeah, um, I, I must say, like, so the PSP I, is an even bigger hole for me than the Vita. Mm. And looking into it to try and work out some of the categories for this, I was surprised and taken back by actually how much quite decent stuff there was on PSP that just never ever like enters my sphere which is mad because the psp sold like four times as much as the vita like it was quite it was a pretty big deal which i had no i genuinely had no idea about like in my i was just yeah I, that was like an eye-opener for me yeah um should i start with my memories of the psv to matthew yeah and let's then, do um, it yeah yeah so 
basically I was a big I was I was big into the PSP. It lasted longer than I thought it would. It was getting games through till I think like 2010. It was still getting um, pretty good software. Um, so it was getting games deep into its lifespan. The PS Vita comes along. Obviously, we're in a kind of smartphone era, and my memory of it is it wasn't on my radar at all. And then I moved on to Play Magazine again in 2012, September 2012. And at that point, I bought a Vita just so I felt like I had a handle on it going into working on this mag. And I thought it was a real a solid crop of like launch titles. But it felt to me like the PS4 came along so quickly afterwards that it just... It, the kind of demands of a more powerful handheld in the PS Vita, which could play almost PS3 quality games, meant that it was implausible that Sony would have the resources to furnish both with high quality software. So mm. the fact that the Vita loses out and the PS4 wins in that scenario makes complete sense to me. But I think that kind of defines the early part of its story, you know? It was like, here are all these games we've prepped for launch, but then a lot of our best devs have to move on to PS4 and make that work. So that was kind of how I felt about it. But I did think it was that screen was beautiful. It was a handheld console launching with an OLED screen just seemed like amazing at the time absolutely beautiful and the psp always had a dazzling screen but here because you had those console level visuals it was just um just extraordinary so yeah i was a big psp guy psv to comes along doesn't make as big a splash but i definitely keep an eye on it because it does its first couple of years get many of its what i would say are its defining non-indie games there's not much if not much of a long tail on the blockbuster stuff but um, mm. how about you, Matthew? You do have a PSV today. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, bought one quite early on. And this is a period where I'd buy pretty much anything because in my head I could get it back with freelance. I don't think I ever did with Vita. Actually, maybe I got back just the price of a Vita in freelance. I think I, I probably ended up doing like six half-page visual novel reviews across sort of four years or something. <laughs> so so gradually clawed back that money. Um, obviously, my PSP had been nicked, so that was the end of the PSP story for me. <laughs> um, I literally only remember playing like Peace Walker and Dex- Daxter. <laughs> oh, right. Daxter? Yeah, Daxter, yeah. I bought it with Daxter. It was a Daxter bundle, the PSP. <laughs> That's um, very cursed. It <laughs> really cursed. Did it have a picture of Daxter on it at all? Oh, yeah. Oh. On the PSP. On the, obviously, the big the big box did. It was this big orange thing. I bought it on a on a San Francisco press trip. It was so cheap compared to the, the UK, because this was back where it was like $2 to the pound. Uh, before Brexit. Yeah, yeah. Back This was back when everything was fine. Um, yeah, so I got that, and... Um, yeah, that wasn't a great investment. Yeah, Vita, I kind of liked. I feel like it had a lot of stuff which kind of spoke to to me. Like, it's it's got a few kind of niche genres, absolutely locked down. And if you're into those things, your perception of this console is probably that it is like an all-timer. But if you came to it for, say, the first-party stuff, I think that dies out pretty quickly in terms of the big blockbuster stuff, like you say. And also, in hindsight, I'm not sure its first-party spread is massively strong. Like, it's a lot of, like, halfway house games which are trying to, like, offer the sort of the, the full console experience because the Vita had power on its side. But none of them can quite get there, and so now they just seem very sort of stunted by comparison, where, you know, the DS a lot more underpowered, at, you know, at the same time, and the 3DS a lot more underpowered. But you could almost make more convincing bespoke things for it. I imagine it was, like, easier resource-wise to sort of produce stuff for those handhelds, which helped. But, um, yeah, definitely not a disaster, like, around that kind of 
first party kind of triple a core yeah i feel like you're unable to uh, sorry you're unlikely to regret buying one is the thing you'll find something to play on it most people will i would say yeah so i think that the ps vita is defined by two eras which is a short burn run of blockbuster games that last from about 2011 through to 2013 and then a drought from 2013 to 2016 filled by wonderful indies and i think that and danganronpa <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, it's really interesting how the the console's identity is very much defined by this this split. I think to most people, the second part, the second half, is what defines the Vita for them. Because, like you say, um, visual novels. If you like that genre, those games never stopped coming to PS Vita, really. Um, mm. And arguably, arguably, still a better console for it than the Switch. Or the Switch is catching up. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, of that yeah. I'm- yeah, the switch. I know, like the switch has taken over in in many ways. Like a lot of the stuff that was big there is 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 big now on Switch. Um, it's definitely like uh, I will always. I think a portable and a reasonably powerful portable is a really nice place to play things like visual novels and puzzle games and things. There's lots of genres that work better in handheld that don't need a big TV and aren't really about sitting on the sofa for like six hours at a time. Um, I think that's where the Vita, you know, I don't know if it targeted that stuff directly or if it's just canny publishers who see that and then target that particular audience. But there's definitely a, um, you know, a lot of these games came out on Vita and PS4 and, you know, I would always go for the Vita version of a lot of them. You know, they're just a natural fit and that's kind of carried over to the Switch too. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do you think the PS Vita has earned its cult reputation in retrospect, Matthew? Why do you think our peers like it so much? Yeah, I mean, like my memory of it is because it becomes the sort of home of portable indie gaming, really in a way that no other thing was at the time. You know, and and it also happens at the time where there's almost like a sort of renaissance in indie gaming, or even a renaissance. I guess it's the boot, it's the initial big populist boom you know it it coincides with the arrival of like indie publishers and a a sort of step up in everyone's game so you start getting like your devolver get very big at the same sort of time and so everything begins to feel a bit more legit you begin to get the kind of the sort of triple a of indie coinciding with this machine that can play it you know we aren't yet in the realms of steam decks and switch and you know there's certain attempts at like streaming you can stream various things to phones or tablets or whatever but it's not quite the same thing so for for ease of use that feels like a perfect time and like maybe a lot of people have just like married vita to their happiness their general like happiness and contentment with that scene in the period like the two things become sort of intertwined it was just a it, it felt like a good a good pleasing time in games in general and here was something which kind of really helped enable that yeah i think that's um i think that's probably fair it is also there another underrated part of the vita or i think like what rather i should say i think half of its dna it's a portable like window to playstation history basically it's like mm. got quite a lot of re-releases on it of varying quality for sure but it's also got you know i don't know if it still does it i think it might be closing that function but or it's certainly more complicated but the ps vita sort of like store let you download PSP and PS1 games from the PlayStation Store. So not a complete library, but a pretty vast library of stuff. Yeah. And like these are original versions of the game. So 
you know, um, for example, Final, if you want to play Final Fantasy VIII without the um, the new character models they did for it, you can go play the original on a PS Vita still, and it looks really, mm. really nice. And you can um, customize the dimensions of the screen, make it look the way you want it to look. And, you know, that's that's kind of like a massive part of this console, is I had for, for a long time Final Fantasies 1 through... 10-2 on my PS Vita, just like in a mm. on like a single page on the menu screen. Um, you know, none of those games originally released natively on Vita. In fact, like Square Enix and um, Vita is like a big um, a big loss compared to the PSP. I would say they're not really on Vita in the same way, and the PSP benefited massively from them. But you know, th- this is the thing. Like, if you treat it as a handheld console, it gave you access to a vast library of stuff. And I think that that is at least half of the Vita's DNA. It gives you access to stuff that you can't get now unless you're prepared to plug a PS3 in. And so mm. that, I think, is a massive part of its appeal. What do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, Nintendo had always been kind of champions of backwards compatibility in terms of, you know, we release handhelds which take our older carts still. You know, you can literally plug a GBA game into a DS and so you've got physical backwards compatibility. Um, what what Nintendo hadn't really mastered was, you know, their virtual console offering had much older stuff but hadn't kind of covered recent history. Um, you know, the appeal of Vita now is very much that it's Vita, PSP and PS1. Like, that seems super attractive and that was the big eye-opener putting together my list for today's episode was actually when you take all that into account you can get like a really stellar lineup you can get the best of of three platforms which are maybe a bit fussier or a bit harder to enjoy now than than others uh but they're all there they're all right there well they're right there until the store starts closing there's already a lot of stuff missing and being removed like there are things you can now not get and you will never be able to get again, um, even though the Vita store is is still open. Bits of it are dying, sort of on quietly on the edges for various reasons. Um, that was the other thing. I kept finding stuff going, oh, that'll be good. And then when I looked it up, uh, this is for PSP and, and PS1, you know, they're just gone or removed from stores for some reason. And you're like, well, that's that then. That will like, <laughs> you know, unless you've got a physical copy, that will never exist again. So... Yeah, it's quite sad. I actually got quite excited for the theoretical Vita we'd be building. I was like, yeah, this is going to rule. This is going to save so many games. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's not real. <laughs> it doesn't actually exist. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I've got a, um, uh, a, a US, uh, US account on my PS3 where I basically bought all the stuff that you can't get here that you can get there. So right. um, those kind of slightly weird 3D Mega Man RPGs, I can't remember what they're called, but um, people quite like those. The Parasite Eve games, uh, I think you can get the second one here, but not the first one. The stuff like, I think, is it one of the Resident Evils is not available here? Resident but... Evil 2. Yeah, Resident Evil 2. It's so dumb. Why? One and three are there. And it's just <laughs> like, they're not that one. You don't want that one. Yeah. That's the one you want. <laughs> And Dino Crisis as well, I got on there. Um, I think I got both Dino Crisis games on there. So, you know, US has had a better offering. But yeah, it's true that like, there will soon come a time where these are at least so hard to get hold of that you won't be able to have easy access to them, which sucks because there's so many classics there. It's like one of the, I think it's, well, yeah, absolutely one of the reasons the Vita is so revered is it it kind of had all this stuff in one place. Um, And for me, as Mm. someone who was on a PlayStation mag, you know, some of us make make choices in life, like buying Crash Bandicoot on PS1 in 2008 on PS3. 
But then you are in, you know, you you're installed setting up your PS Vita in 2012, and then um, you go to your download list, and there's that game you bought on PS3 years ago, and it just works on your PS Vita. So that was, I remember that being a nice moment because I'd already accumulated all of the Final Fantasy games, and then it was like, oh, now they're all just on here on this vast memory stick. Right. Yeah. That there is one thing that is faintly cursed about the vita interface and that is you can see a list of all the games on your playstation account and you have to basically scroll through this stuff which for a second your brain goes oh wow that's on vita and then you're like oh no that's a playstation 3 exclusive game functionally i do not want to see games that i cannot play on that machine so every time i I look at that list the one that always gets me is i see beyond the david cage game (laughs) i always think wait beyond's on vita Oh wait, no, you can't download it. It's it's just it's just like there making fun of you. It's this big old list. The other thing is, lots of the games seemingly have got they've got like missing images, like JPEG not found <laughs> yeah. for their game icon. That can't be right. <laughs> yeah, like that feels like that feels like a a, a games console that's like decaying <laughs> inside. Like I, I I'm I'm not sure that they should ever have allowed that to happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a, an odd thing where sometimes you'll download a game and then it will just show you a broken image of something and then like you won't know what it is you've downloaded until it's done and then it's like oh yeah it's you know Loco Roco or whatever and you're like okay yeah very strange <laughs> that's that's odd <laughs> yeah not to show our hand too much but we wanted to reflect that in the draft so we have um, five bonus categories in this this episode that um, reflect the PSP and PS1 lineups on the consoles because we thought. That was an important part of us building these hypothetical PS Vita minis, quote-unquote, was just to to reflect that in some way. So, Matthew, um, as we wrap up before we start uh, we start going, uh, what do you think the Switch owes to the PS Vita? That so many people like refer to the Vita when they talk about the Switch, that it has kind of continued on. You know, a lot of people, you know, talked about having, like, a PC and a Switch and Switch to play this stuff on the go. Like, maybe it's a continuation of of the relationship that was established by the Vita. So the idea that you you can have access to these games on the go is something people now expect. And so the Switch fills that gap. I, you know, Nintendo and Indies has always been a tricky one. Like, you've never really got the sense that they've courted them in any sort of substantial way. You know, and, and that this is this has maybe been a, a, a weird side effect of it being a console that is portable and powerful enough to play these games rather than necessarily like the thing nintendo intended so maybe that's that's the biggest debt i mean like one thing i will say uh, that i didn't like about the vita and i still don't is just how much cluttered shit there is on there like you go on and there's all these weird apps and you don't have to use them but i always felt like it was this very messy kind of reaching for everything you know there's this like social apps and music apps and like are there video apps on there i don't really understand this there's there's so many there's like an entire screen of icons i've never opened because it just feels like like bullshit that was made at a time when phones were becoming more powerful and could offer obviously do a lot more than just be a phone and the thing i do like about the switch is it's just like games like nothing else it's just paired right back that seems very dated about the vita very messy at least yeah the first screen you see might not have a game on it or if it does it's oh. crammed in the bottom right but but you know yeah. around some other icons and the little kind of blob interface thing isn't terrific is it it's like it's a bit a bit less elegant than the switch <laughs> um for sure yeah but uh, that's you know that's that's you know, that's that's not to knock it i um, i you know like i say i think 
you know, I'd be interested from the developer side if working on Vita created an appetite or opened them up to an audience or just a style of development that then made it very natural to transition to the Switch. Perhaps. Yeah, I would say as well, like the observation you can make is that because it happened on PS Vita first, this it happening on Switch seemed more plausible. Like it was just, mm. you know, this there are established indie successes on this. Let's go do this on the console that it's most similar to. And then like, you know, with the benefit of a much larger audience. And so you have these um, these indie games become a runaway success. And like, you know, the, if the PS Vita doesn't happen, would it, the same thing happen for the Switch? Maybe. But the PS Vita shows you the kind of plausibility of it. And I think it just maybe established it just in the kind of mind's eye of people who are making those kind of games. So, mm. yeah, I think that's kind of, I think that's what it owes to the Vita, even though I agree with mm. you that the Switch is, um, is a stronger console. And like, to pour a bit of shade on the Vita, it is a limited library still. Like, whatever way you yeah. slice it, no matter, if you talk about indies, visual novels, whatever, it's still a limited library. Like, mm. you don't have to go down that far to kind of run out to you know that far in the kind of metacritic list to get down to like your low 70s and stuff it's not mm. it's just not a vast library on that console did you find that when you were doing the drafting process too yeah i was initially worried because that's when when we were just doing that i was like oh yikes this is a bit bad and and actually once we opened it up to some extra like ps1 psp categories i felt a bit more confident because i suddenly felt like well there's actually like an embarrassment of riches here and because that is all available and there, it all kind of got mixed in, and the end result was, oh well, there's you know, there's probably you know fifty amazing games you can play on this thing across three different libraries, and that's that's a pretty good hit rate. Yeah, I would say so. So, but you're right on first part, like the first, you know, not first party, but the purely Vita stuff. It's it's pretty rotten. Also, for the sake of the draft, because it does rely on indie so much. A lot of these games are readily available elsewhere, mm. uh, also on Switch now probably. Like trying to find actual exclusives, very difficult on this machine. Like it's, you know, normally we, we that comes into play in these drafts quite a lot. The idea of, eh, yeah, but you can play it everywhere else. Do you really need it? And I, I feel like there's quite a lot of that with Vita. Yeah, there is. But do you remember when we thought that that would be the case with the Wii draft? Then it was like people were surprisingly up for, you know, Twilight Princess and the like. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair point. I thought about it as well. Um, a lot of this stuff is on uh, Switch and arguably is better on Switch because you've got that nice big screen. So, yeah, you know, completely fair. Last up then, Matthew, before we get into the draft, um, do you think Sony should make another handheld? Uh, probably not. Um, <laughs> I just, I just don't think they're in a place to support it. I feel like they've got the studio resources to make enough games for their console. I don't think they can, they can do it again. And 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 arguably, you know, it isn't the first party games that kind of carried Vita, but first party games can carry a platform. They work their magic for Switch for sure. And to remove those from the equation and to underestimate how important those are in the grand scheme of things is. It's mad, and I, I just don't. I don't think Sony have the capability to do it, so I just don't think they should. Yeah, I kind of wish that instead the PS Vita was just perpetually available, and that that digital store was perpetually available. Yeah, I wish you could just buy a PS Vita for the next ten years, and like you know, there's just a steady supply of them. I know that's not how electronic supply and demand works, <laughs> right? But it's that would be my preference if it was easy to get one, and you could. It was it was your portal to playing PS One games or PSP games like that. Or Persona 4. Like, um, these are all things that, you know, the, the Vita excelled at. So mm. I kind of don't, I don't necessarily need another handout. And to be honest, 
in a wider sense. I don't think anyone can really afford to make a handheld and a dedicated home console these days. No. You could argue that Nintendo never balanced it properly, like in terms of the number of games needed to support each platform. I mean, arguably the yeah. DS had the right number, but then you get to the 3DS era, and it's clearly a bit of a strain to go between 3DS and Wii U. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, you know, that's why they kind of consolidate everything into one and... You know, and that's the mad thing whenever people talk about how well the Switch does. It's like true, but you have to remember they were doing like, you know, better numbers on DS and close to numbers on the Wii simultaneously. Like there was just a period where they were doing such incredible, incredible business um, that actually makes the Switch look a bit piddly by comparison. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think we'll ever... That, that that era is it's just so over. It's so done. Like you can tell it's done because we've now fast forwarded into the era of the like the artisan portable. <laughs> the yeah. kind of that that thing with the crank or whatever. It's it's like where people kind of you know you know vinyl comes back in a kind of like limited way. It's you know it's a bit like portables are like dead enough that we're we're now reanimating the corpse in weird and wonderful ways. Hey, you know, get me an analog console that can run the uh, PSP, run UMDs. I'll be there, you know, day one. That sounds good to me. Watching um, your your UMD movies. <laughs> Watching a series one of Little Britain, Matthew. On uh, I was I was talking to um, Ben Tyra, formerly of Official PlayStation Magazine, earlier today. In fact. And uh, he was talking about he owned two films. He owned Monty Python and the Holy Grail uh, and Terminator 3. <laughs> and you're like, what a, what a weird combination yeah. to watch on your PSP. Like, like, I like Monty Python and Holy Grail, but just the idea of sitting there like chuckling away at your PSP is just... Just just after me. Yeah. I think like there was also like the entirety of twenty four season one was available on UMD. <laughs> like imagine that was your the way you watched it. Um yeah, you're talking to someone who spent far too many hours trying to rip DVDs onto a PSP memory card. That was um sad <laughs> stuff. Um yeah, that's funny. I only had one UMD, Matthew. It was Final Fantasy Seven Advent Children. Like oh, um, wow. the most two thousand five ass artifact you can possibly think of. <laughs> um So Matthew, on that, let's have a quick break and we'll come back and get to the PS Vita draft, yeah? Let's do it. Welcome back to the podcast. So it's drafting time, the PS Vita. If you go to Twitter, backpage pod. There will be a poll where you can vote on the winner in this uh, this draft. The goal is to pick the best selection of games. We'll take it in turns. It's a snake draft, so uh, whoever goes first gets one pick. The person who goes second gets two picks, and then it's two picks until the uh, the whole thing is over. We have two different sections here, though. So we have um, a kind of main section of games, then a separate bonus categories section that we're going to do afterwards. Um, Matthew, I hope you plotted it that way too. <laughs> that was kind of how I saw it. That the um, oh, so you see that section kicking in after. Yes, yes, um, because that's why I put in the plan. Whoever picks first for the main categories has to pick second for the bonus categories. Oh, you see, I saw that as like a chaos element where the person who picks second can choose when to introduce the PSP conversation because <laughs> they can basically hold the other person off. But your version makes a lot more sense. <laughs> well, I figure it balanced out because, like, let's just get the cards on the table here, okay? There is a big imbalance here with whoever goes first gets the most desirable game on the console. We all know what that game is. We don't need to say it out loud yet because it will come up in a second, but. There is one game that is the winner of this console. And so when it's off the board, 
it arguably becomes more one-sided than previous drafts, which is actually why I'm not like too neurotic about the results of this one, because there's a certain amount of it that's out of my hands. But I thought that the bonus categories coming second, and the person who has to pick um, second for the main categories um, getting the first pick there, would balance it out a little bit, Matthew. Do you agree with that, that- logic? Okay, that that makes that that makes sense actually. Yeah, I I thought it was. Uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I thought I thought it was going to be chaos. Someone ripping open a portal to PSP land and trying to just sow some sow some madness. But I much prefer this version. Yeah, that's a very stressful version of the draft. You were kind of like yeah. you thought there was because there's like two fronts you got to fight on. Yeah, like the PSP and the Vita, and I was like, <laughs> oh man, how am I going to do this? Uh, no, no, uh, I saw I saw it like our uh, when we do like the Game Pass competitive draft where we break the bonus section into a second okay, bit so that, yeah yeah good. okay let's um let's go through the um the categories then matthew is that everything yeah. about the rules yeah you vote a back page pod like i say and then um yeah if you want to chat it out on the discord about um who picked the best stuff that might be a, a good thing to do I, I assume the banter will be fairly good um so said <laughs> <laughs> with such passion <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the Discord. There's some good, there's some good chatter there. Um, and then the section, uh, then the anything else channel where they talk about football sometimes, and I just click off. <laughs> yeah, we're too scared to go in there, yeah, because I'm... some sports might happen to us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the ten sections here. Okay, um, category one: shooter. Category two: racing or platformer. Category three: RPG or action adventure. Category four: re-release. Category five: wild card. Category six: indie game. Category seven. Puzzle. Category 8, Fighting Game. Category 9, Visual Novel or Story-Centric Game. Category 10, Free Pick. So anything you like from the PS Vita catalogue. Has to be, um, the games have to have been released in either Europe or North America. There's no, like, um, Japanese-only games we're procuring here. Had a little look into that side of things, and there's not that much juicy stuff you're really missing out on there. Not compared to the PSP. So, yes, like I say, whoever picks first for the main categories has to pick second for the bonus categories. And those bonus categories are... Number one, PS1 or PSP RPG. Number two, PS1 or PSP Shooter. Number three, PS1 or PSP Action Adventure slash Open World. Number four, PS1 or PSP Platformer. Number five, PS1 or PSP Free Pick. So anything from the PS1 or PSP catalogs that are available on either the European or North American um, uh, digital stores, basically. So there's an element of real-world logic to the picks. Um, Top-line thoughts, Matthew Castle. I'm very scared of a couple of genres. Uh, fighting game <laughs> does not make me feel good about myself. Uh, sh- shooter, uh, maybe shooter. No, I, I mean, you know, we're obviously dancing around the game, which will be first. I've convinced myself that if even if I don't get that game and I don't have good luck with these tosses, um, coin tosses at the start, that... Sorry, I made it sound like I was referring to the listeners as tossers. <laughs> like, I think there's some like interesting combinations and some like interesting like mini libraries you can kind of build within this console because there are certain game series that are represented very well across Vita, PS1, and PSP, and so there's an opportunity to actually do some quite sort of fun stuff um, and, and quite comprehensive stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of. I've got quite a few suggestions. Um, I will say I haven't played some of these games, so I apologise in advance if if uh, I'm a little hazy on on some of the details. But I'm I'm going to try and pick things which I honestly feel are either good from experience or I you know I know are good from other people I I uh, respect. <laughs> yeah, I've got like my my upfront ten picks and like some of my backup picks are 
all games I've played. But there are there are some like there are some backups that I haven't played at all. So that's kind of where I'm coming at uh, coming at it knowledge wise. So um, and then the PS1 and PSP categories is actually much harder in terms of like it. You've just got to kind of narrow down an amazing selection of stuff to just five games. That's the challenge with that bit. Um, yeah, and I'm not convinced Pier- I've done it perfectly. Pier- I looked at, and we obviously we 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 agree to these categories beforehand. You know, we, we I have I have you know veto over them. I feel, but even so, when I get the list through, I do look at it and think, you know, what's the game here? What's the angle? What's he trying to do? What's he thinking? <laughs> no, what's he thinking with this one specifically? PS One PSP shooter. I'm like, what is going on in there? That's interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm still a little suspicious of some of them. <laughs> oh right, that's interesting because um, that's one category where I thought, why did I put that in there last night when I was picking for these? Um, <laughs> and like, um, and it became a slight headache. But I think I figured out, figured out something good for it. So it's not as calculated as you'd think. I put more okay. effort into the main ten categories, I would say. Okay, yeah. Um, because and I even like made a last minute change because I was a bit worried that that one of them was just racing, and I thought that's just too hemmed in. I think. Um, yeah. There's a logic so, to a lot of so these. So we've got the, the, the lovely combo of racing and platformer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing is that like, um, a fighting game is actually a fairly well-represented genre on this console. That was part of why I sort of picked it. I, I just know fuck all about fighting games. It's where I'm on the shakiest ground. And I already know in advance that my pick for fighting game is what's going to lose me the draft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'm excited to hear it. Um, but yeah, there's some there's some good stuff in each of these genres. I just felt like was well represented by the console generally, and then Ooh. like the the wild card um, category for this is arguably an all timer. Like there's some really like that gets you access to a lot of different stuff. So there are different ways you can play it. Let's see if my way kind of pans out. But um, who knows? It's all going to come down to this first pick, I think. So let's do the coin toss, Matthew. Who goes first? So bear in mind, I have won every single coin toss in these drafts to date. Every single one. And whoever yeah. whoever gets the coin toss gets to decide who goes first. What would you like, heads or tails? Uh, heads. Tails. Ah, so I'm I'm not the one who gets that game. Unless I think I can do more damage with the second and third pick. Well, maybe maybe you think maybe you think you can. What do you think, Mister Castle? I'm going to go first. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I was so expecting to lose that coin toss that I've basically built all my thinking around what my second and thirds are. So I'm actually a little sad that that was all for nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, what if look my at me, second... Look at me trying to make winning the coin for toss make me seem like the underdog still. <laughs> Classic Matthew Castle strats there. Um, I mean, the other thing is that I, I, I wonder if um, my first two picks uh, will be identical to the ones you picked. Because I think they probably will be. Because I think there's like a two. There's two you have to get off the board. Um but we'll see, won't we? Okay. Let's do it, Matthew. Which uh, which category is first? Dum da da dum. Uh, I'm going to go RPG slash action adventure. I'm going to take Persona 4 Golden. Who who could have saw it coming? I mean, wow, what a surprise! <laughs> what a shocker! This is, of course, the reworked, expanded version of Persona uh, that came to Vita. Uh, arguably, puts the icing on an already excellent RPG in the form of Persona 4, but kind of tidies up elements, adds elements, uh, fattens it out. The interesting thing about Persona 4 is is it slightly devalued in a world where Persona 5 exists, to which I would say, no, I replayed this recently on PC, again, which devalues it a little bit, and was struck by how distinct it is from 5 and the fact that it's set out in the countryside in a small town. It's got very different energy. I actually think the hook of Persona 4 is better than Persona 5 of, of the three that I've played. It's the best by far. 
um, in terms of like the actual sort of tone that you've gone to this small town. Uh, there are serial killings happening whenever this mist descends, uh, which also coincides with you getting sucked into this sort of nightmarish labyrinth where you do your persona uh, RPGing. Uh, it's incredibly stylish, but also steeped in nostalgia. It really makes you want to go and live in the Japanese countryside and have like four very cool friends really not get up to much apart from sort of hanging out on little kind of grassy verges and a slightly unimpressive shopping center it's just incredibly charming sort of world uh i want to get lost in but also very cool at the same time yeah it, it just feels like the definitive vita game yep i completely agree i think it is the definitive vita game um i remember when this came out i think it was published by a fairly small publisher in the uk uh like a, a really kind of small outfit and then, like, it just, I think it just sold out over and over again, just became like this enormous ongoing success. And it really, like, Persona 3 and, like, the console release at 4 had already kind of, like, made Persona a big deal in North America. But I feel like this is the one that makes it a big deal in Europe as well. Um, mm. It's like, if you get a Vita, you have to have this. Does look really nice. And, like, um, it's not compromised by being on Vita in the way that um, uh, Persona 3 Portable was compromised by being on on there in terms of presentation. Um, mm. Just looks fantastic. Arguably, as well, it's kind of like... You could put this on Switch and it would look great. But I would say that this is a game that really fits the Vita's capabilities, screen size. It's just kind yeah. of spot on for it in terms of, like, how it looks and, like... You know, there is a PC version, and I would say, you know, it's really cool that people can buy on PC and, you know, you know, play on their Steam Deck potentially. But goddamn, this game is perfect for the, the console. It's a perfect match, a match made in heaven, you know? Yeah, even just like, you know, it's incredibly like sleek and iconic interface. It just really pops on that sharp OLED screen. It's just a, a really like dazzling, you're right, perfectly aimed, perfectly judged game uh, on PC it actually like exposes it to be like quite rough around the edges mm. in a way that you simply wouldn't register when you were playing on on Vita. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know that is the defining pick. Um maybe it'll win you the draft, we'll see. I don't know, like I'm very very attached to my number 2 pick. Yeah, I'm with you on the um on the small town setting as well. Like I think it's just like um really distinctive compared to like i think persona 3 and persona 5 have similar settings like inner city kind of um school settings i think you know the, the the weakness of 4 if there is one is that it's it's dungeons aren't particularly exciting visually you know they're I, am i right in saying they're randomly generated every time you go in there but they're whatever they are they're they're very like tile based very sparse and they become kind of fully formed sort of more fully designed levels and places in five mm. and that is such a huge leap but mechanically everything else i'd say is is here this this game gets on with it a bit faster a little bit faster uh than five as well yeah um it's great the serial killer stuff is just really good like it's it's a genuinely compelling whodunit you know which obviously earns it brownie points i love the creepy little that plays whenever like something creepy's happening and it's also got the um that little shopping mall jingle the da, 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 da. yeah this is this this one is just wormed away in my head it's it's just so fucking rad everything's great at your juniors yeah <laughs> that's it yeah it's cute detail um yeah good side characters as ever with persona oh so good yeah um, just yeah fucking rad yeah cool yeah great pick matthew a good a good start to this draft i would say uh nice to talk about that game yeah wonderful stuff so my first pick, 
going to do a tiny genre fudge here, Matthew. I'm going to take Action Adventure. I think this is okay. And I'm going to take Tear Away by Media Molecule. Oh, yeah, okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, can live, I can live with it. I'm sad because that was my second pick. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. If there's another defining Vita game besides Persona, it's this. It's, this is the defining Sony uh sort of like exclusive for the platform so media molecule uh, developers of little big planet they kind of released this um uh, they released little big planet and then as a kind of like i guess quote-unquote side project from their big releases they do this papercraft style game that i believe was inspired by like little kind of like bits of papercraft that were left around the office by one of the artists sort of like platformery adventure game and yeah, it's it's like delightful. It just uses the Vita in all these different ways. It uses the back touch screen, the cameras, all this stuff, and the aesthetic is absolutely beautiful. And it has a little mm. bit of the old play, create, share DNA of Little Big Planet by letting you kind of decorate your characters and interact with the world in fun ways. Just really kind of like beautiful. And like, um, I would say that if you want a kind of yeah, if it, I'd say like if you're getting two games for the Vita, if there are two defining games, Tear Away is the other one. Just a exquisite little game mm. was released, re-released on PS4. I would say doesn't quite have the same magic on PS4. No. You need to have it in front of you and to see how they use the different features of the Vita to get why it's so perfect to fit for it. The back touch screen of the Vita, which is like the dumbest function of any machine ever, <laughs> is really well used in this because you're sort of almost thumping the world from underneath it to send him like bouncing on drums and. I think your finger can burst through the world. Yeah, Isn't that, that right? that's my memory, is that the finger from behind the screen bursts through the world, yeah. Yeah. Uh, really nicely done. Yeah, so you've got all that married to like a really beautiful-looking kind of 3D platform adventure game. Really, really nice. It takes done. pictures of you as well and uses them in funny ways that like you become like the face of the sun and things. Yeah, yeah like me with <laughs> me with a, a triple chin becoming the face of the sun is my memory of this. <laughs> but yeah, just just like, again, like felt visually spot on for it. Like it's a gorgeous looking 3D game. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't necessarily be like top of the line technically of like a HD console, but spot on for like what this console can do. It, yeah. I, I, I must admit that um, this for me like killed nintendo's craft-based art game style games Mm. for a long time like paper mario was suddenly very diminished compared to this and like the woolly world and the plasticine one they all felt very rough and crude compared to i thought this was visually so good like it's so convincing like even just things that like there's a sense that the world, the floor is made of creased paper that kind of crinkles and compresses when you step on it. Like, it is such a good eye for detail. It's my favourite Media Molecule game by an absolute mile. Yeah, I would say that, like, um, the sort of level of detail that was put into giving worlds a crafty feel, the idea that materials feel like something, um, is something that Little Big Planet did really well and then carries across here. Mm. And, like, because it's, like, 3D renders of, like, 2D kind of, like, bits of art, I guess, or, like, to, mm. you know, bits of paper craft, um, that just creates a, like, absolutely gorgeous effect. Um, so, yeah, I think it's phenomenal. And I think, yeah, you know, I'm gutted about Persona, obviously, but, like, I think this is a kind of second place is still incredibly strong. So, no regrets mm. on this side, Matthew. Um apart from the whole picking the wrong coin toss thing that's a regret i guess um so my my second pick i'm gonna go with category four re-release and i'm gonna take metal gear solid hd collection oh fuck it of course you are <laughs> of course you are yeah were those your two picks for the next two categories oh i had i i was planning to do something madder but i'll get to that in a bit <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll look forward to that um so there are lots of re-releases on this console um of like varying quality as i mentioned 
For example, if you're going to play like Jack and Daxter, um, don't play it on the Vita, I would say. It runs quite rough frame rate. It's not perfect. There's um, some God of War games on Vita that I understand aren't perfect either. So it's different with this Bluepoint developed HD collection of the Metal Gear Solid games 2 and 3. Um, they don't run out as fast a frame rate as the um, home console 360 and PS3 versions, but there aren't there are no handhelds, modern handhelds, where you can play these games otherwise. So I think that makes it a compelling pick for my um, my PS Vita Mini, quote unquote. So yeah, um, Metal Gear Solid two and three. You got your fucking big shell, um, slightly boring looking kind of oil rig location, and your sort of bizarre bosses and long cutscenes. Then Metal Gear Solid three, one of the best games of all time, uh, with the three D three D camera from subsistence included. Uh, thoughts, Matthew? Uh, yeah, I mean, a churlish part of me thought oh, I could try and hammer this on the fact that it isn't quite as, as pretty as the other HD versions of it, but, like, it's two of the raddest games of all time. Um, yeah, like, you'd be mad. You'd be mad to argue with it. Uh, yeah, God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, they run they run really, really nicely, um, As uh, yeah, for sure. So I, I would worry about the whole um, performance side of it, Matthew. They're, uh, they're top-notch, yeah. I assure you. I've completed both on there. So what's... Um, What's your second or third picks? Oh, a load of old <laughs> shit. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that I tell you what, tear away in action adventure is really like, has really messed me up. Um, that's really thrown me in racing platformer because my backup was weak. <laughs> well, I think that. Do you think I fudged it too much there by putting in action adventure? No, no, not at all. I think it's fine. I, I am intrigued by what you could possibly want in that category. Because as far as I'm concerned, this machine is a no-go for racing. For me personally, there was nothing I would want. Mm-hmm. Which either means I've missed something genuinely good, or I'm underrating something, you know, some some like fucking Sega nonsense or whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm not putting Sonic crappy karting in there um that's not, not my deal oh yikes what a nightmare what an absolute fucking nightmare i really resent persona now <laughs> how could um, the man who's got persona 4 be bitter about his luck that makes no sense no because i want i actually think two and three are oh fuck it uh god damn it right <laughs> come on then oh there's so many other categories matthew yeah i know but i can't like I feel like I'm going to lose lose my grip on things. Um, okay, how about this for platformer? Does Gravity Rush count? Yeah, you can have that. Gravity Rush for platformer then. Let's go for it. Okay. I'm only picking that now because other, I fear I'll run out of other entries. Gravity Rush I own. I'm going to be I'm going to be completely frank. I'm, I wasn't totally in love with it. It never fully clicked. It's this mad world spinning kind of perspective shifting gravity based platformer where you end up sort of walking around sort of inception like worlds where you're sort of walking on the walls and then upside down on the ceilings i never quite i never quite clicked with it but it's it's very very distinct i feel like it does fit the hardware quite well in terms of sort of gyroscopic stuff and whatnot do you have much affection for gravity rush uh i think it's like a real seven or a six like it's like it looks oh yikes Like I think it looks fantastic. Like it looks, it looks amazing for the time, but its style of platforming. What a dumb pick! <laughs> no, no, I think that like our listeners, a lot of them mentioned Gravity Rush when we were talking about this. Um, okay, was it called Gravity Days over here? The original release, or I don't know. Anyway, um, 
And so yeah, I think that like it looks fantastic with that cell shaded style, beautiful looking city. But like the way she kind of like does those sort of tubular jumps and the kind of navigation of it, just I just couldn't get on with it really. It just did my head in a little bit. Um so yeah, okay. that's me that's me on Gravity Rush, I'm afraid. Well that's good. So you weren't <laughs> ever gonna go for it, but fuck it. <laughs> that's fine. That's why I was worried, because basically my nightmare was that I was gonna end up having like fucking Rayman Legends, the eighteenth port of Rayman Legends. <laughs> and I thought I cannot let that be. And I refuse to be forced into a corner where I pick one of the bad like if there's a wipeout, I I I wouldn't I do not care for wipeout, I will say in advance, so I have no idea what you're going to do in there. I've actually got two. I've got two. And I also congratulate you, because that, that tear away fucked me up big time. Yeah, I, to be honest, um, uh, it's funny because <laughs> you've got Gravity Rush and Platformer. I've got tear away and Action Adventure. They should probably be the other way around, those two. But I think they balance each other out in terms of fairness. So You know, you jump in Gravity Rush. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, it's true. The um, whole world is a platform level for you to explore anyway. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. Oh, Jesus! I've made such a pig's ear of this, well, no, and I don't get a good pick of PSP because I come fucking second. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that is resolutely not true. There's loads of good stuff you can do in that category. I know, but it feels like king piss. I really do feel like I've, I've, I've fucked this. Uh, <laughs> you have to edit some of this doom and gloom out so that people vote for But me. it makes for such good podcasting. Why would, you, why would you do that to me? You know that this is entertaining, Matthew. Oh, god damn it. I just, I just want to like, I want to like wound. Like, I'm trying to pick to wound but I can't work out how to do it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um... <laughs> indie game i'll take hotline miami okay yeah that's a wound the problem with these indie games they're available everywhere but this i think is associated with vita a lot of people played it there it's got the perfect rhythm for kind of pick up and play um i say you want to play it in public the last thing i want someone looking over my shoulder is me like batting in people's skulls and whatnot i think they probably get quite sinister sitting next to someone on the tube playing this I think it's it's iconically associated with the Vita to the point that you famously uh, kill someone in The Last of Us 2 who is playing Hotline Miami on their Vita. Uh, you hear the, the, the quite definitive soundtrack playing, uh, which raises quite an interesting question of um, when that game was made in the timeline of The Last of Us. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure by the time Hotline Miami came out in the timeline of The Last of Us, the world had gone to shit, which I like the idea that someone's like, no, everyone's turning into mushrooms, but we've got to get Hotline Miami out. And that someone would buy PSP Vita in that in that environment. Yeah. That's a bit odd. A Denaton were just like carrying on under, uh, <laughs> even though the apocalypse was kicking off, you know. And this the idea that like all those years on, like a Vita would still be fine, that it would have like battery life. Trust me, my thing drains like a motherfucker. <laughs> it is not my console of choice if I was a hoodlum waiting to get shanked but anyway <laughs> let's not litigate that um yeah it's you know it's short sharp nasty it's you know a game that completely knows what it's about incredibly incredibly satisfying i mean it's it's kind of doing the john wick thing you know before john wick was a thing it's that kind of incredibly graceful chain of death around the levels it's a really sinister nasty little thing but also just brilliantly brilliantly compelling yep this was my uh defining ps vita game for sure i um when i was uh in 2013 12 time my 
ex-girlfriend moved to Worcester and I had to do a three and a half hour train journey uh, there and a four hour train journey back for about two years and it was the most horrible shit in the world <laughs> um, but like Hotline Miami I played so much of this during that time it's not a very long game it's always longer in my head than it seems when I replay again but the cut mixture of music sound action it was just like you know if there's an indie game that appeals to me in that kind of base level it's, it's this game um, so I think mm. that's a good pick Matthew um, really good that was what I had for this category so you have managed yes. to wound me there which is good. Yes. Um, so those are your two picks, right? So you've got... <laughs> Crap, you Russian. Not like Miami. Two right. very different games. I would say that, like, as a trio, that's pretty strong so far. I've only got two games so far, I remember. So, um... Big exclusives. They're in quite short supply. So I'm trying to get them on there as a bit of a wow factor. Yeah, fair you enough. Know. I, I, I'm definitely pleased I went with Gravity Rush over Rayman Legends. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, this is next, next two for me. Interesting how to play this i think i'm gonna go fighting game okay and i'm gonna take ultimate marvel versus capcom 3 okay interesting so this is um (laughs) it was this or playstation all-stars battle royale basically and i admit there's a novelty factor to that second one of putting it on here it was a it was a good version of that game but i think that like this um there's a, a few reasons i picked this it's not on switch this game so if you want to put on a handheld, your Vita is your only choice. Has a massive roster of Marvel and Capcom characters. I think this is considered like the last like really, really great entry in this series. Looked looked absolutely fantastic. And so yeah, I think like the um I've got the uh the only game um on um on PS Vita that features Felix Wright. So good for me. Taking that from Matthew Castle. <laughs> that feels good, frankly. Um so yeah, got a really good range of um Capcom characters there. I think your beautiful Joe and um Dante, Frank West, all these different characters, um Chris Redfield, Wesker, Amaterasu, just a massive uh, array of characters with uh, the kind of Marvel lineup of the old classics like Captain America, Iron Man and stuff, but they added a bunch more like Hawkeye, Ghost Rider, Iron Fist, Doctor Strange. So Rocket Raccoon, slightly before that film came out. So yeah, I think this is like the pick for this category. But it is a quite, it is quite a good genre. There's some slightly weirder stuff on here, um, mm. and there's also that Street Fighter Tekken mashup that's also on here. Um, mm. So yeah, thoughts, Matthew, on this one? When I was looking down the list, I recognised a lot of names, and you know, it's quite rich from, like you say, your quite big mainstream publisher stuff to Blaz Blue and all that kind of jazz, you know, your anime things. I just don't have any skin in the fighting game that a lot of it kind of rings false to me, which is why it's a struggle. But that one feels like a very you pick. Yeah, I think that if you, uh, for a fighting game that's got like the most appeal to like a wider audience, I think having all these lovely Marvel and Capcom characters would be the most appealing. Certainly like, it was a game I played at the time as a result of um, a result of the roster, and um, mm. yeah, so I think that's a good pick for that. Category. And you get to put uh, Galactus on trial. <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, the old classic. So um, <laughs> we got that. Then for the next category, let's go shooter, and I'm going to take Uncharted: Golden Abyss, a game I oh, slammed three podcasts ago. Um, <laughs> and we said this would happen. We did. That someone would make the case for why it was actually good. <laughs> but let's be honest, though. This was like the flagship launch title for the Vita. Like, um, it was a brand new Uncharted game, you know, like made for specifically for this hardware um, by Sony Ben Studio that were gone to make Days, Days Gone and previously the Siphon Filter games. It's not the strongest of the Uncharted games. It's like 
has the motion captured cutscenes, the shooting, all that stuff. But like, um, it's like a little bit like underpowered after coming from the um, PS3 ones. But if I was to get like a PS Vita Mini, I would want the one Uncharted game on there that I can't get anywhere else. So mm-hmm. that's my rationale, Matthew. And um, yeah, still perfectly solid, even with uh, the 10 million uh, mini games, you have to rub something on the screen. So um, <laughs> thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, um, you know how I feel about stenciling. I also hate um, charcoal rubbing. You know how I feel about stenciling. It's the most like Matthew Castle statement I think I've heard of this podcast. That was a callback. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's too compromised for my liking. Uh, I always thought this was a, um, you know, a, a game that that showed what the Vita could do and also showed what the Vita couldn't do. It's a real, like, halfway house. I'm I'm not mad about any of Sony's kind of attempts to cram their their popular uh, licenses onto Vita. I don't think any of them really land for me um, of the ones that I have played. So, yeah, like, it's, it's definitely playable. Uncharted on the box, I get the appeal. Um, I think we both know though that this is this is merely fine. <laughs> um, I would still rather play it more than Gravity Rush, and I bet you would too. <laughs> no, I no, I no, I love Gravity Rush. Ah, <laughs> oh, the lies are in full force. Amazing. She flies around on the floor and the ceiling. That is that is what happens in the game. It's basically like it's it's basically uh, oh, no. Sony's Mario Galaxy. Oh! Right? <laughs> <laughs> the things that that man will do to win a draft i mean wow um yeah I, it has I, the same brilliant disregard for gravity <laughs> that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah and likewise that's why sonic lost world is uh one of your favorite platformers Matthew. <laughs> um okay good uh so yeah those are my two picks so i'm up to i've got uncharted golden abyss tear away and metal gear solid hd collection and ultimate marvel versus capcom 3 so it's two more matthew castle picks now very interesting very very interesting <laughs> Uh, for puzzle game, I'm going to take Luminaire's Electronic Symphony. Mm-hmm. Good pick. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's something a bit unsexy about picking a Luminaire's game. I think, you know, across this this library, there are a few ways into, into this series, but I'll, I'll take this one as, like, the shiniest version. It's something that really pops on the OLED screen. Again, you know, uh, this is a studio that's kind of made for gorgeous HD displays. Um, we could argue, you know, endlessly about song lists across the different games, whatever. Um, fundamentally, this is the same kind of hypnotic uh, block dropping puzzler. Um, the line that always sticks with me uh, is Chris Don has said this several times about this: is that Tetris is a sprint, Luminez is a marathon. I've always really liked that idea. It's something that you lose yourself in for hours and hours. Well, not hours. I mean, potentially hours if you're good. Um, but it, it isn't about the kind of stress of like you've got to fill all these fucking gaps like it is in Tetris. It's it's very about like vibing with the game, with the music, with the kind of visualizer graphics. Um yeah, why not? Luminous, let's go for it. Um also I just feel like a lot of the other puzzle games are available elsewhere and I don't necessarily associate them with Vita. There's one maybe, but Yeah, that's um, that's fair. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll go with that. I'm pretty sure you've um, said before that you're not into the whole um, Mizuguchi thing, but uh, that's fine. I'll disregard that remark, Matthew, instead of <laughs> digging it up to smear you. <laughs> I definitely prefer this 
two, it's like res I don't really click with. Mm-hmm. These, I think, were on slightly safer ground. I would never use the phrase synesthesia. You wouldn't be caught dead saying synesthesia. I can barely even pronounce it, Sam, as you just heard. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of your picks. There's another one, right? Yeah. Hmm. For visual novel story-centric game, I'll go with Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously, it's basically obnoxious Ace Attorney. It's like, what if Ace Attorney, but even more anime, and in a school with just a load of screeching characters, which sounds like a terrible pitch. Um, But what saves it is absolutely ingenious crimes. I've said this before. I think the actual crime construction and the complexity of the mysteries in Danganronpa is better than Ace Attorney. I think Ace Attorney's quite, quite simple mysteries in many ways. These are... These owe uh, uh, more of a debt to the kind of impossible or unlikely crimes of Japanese crime fiction that I'm into. Um, uh, They always sort of go to shit in the last act when they become super anime, but I do like the setup that they're sort of set in a school populated by characters who all have an ultimate ability and those weird ultimate abilities so ones like the ultimate detective or the ultimate hacker or whatever sort of factor into the the crimes and how they're solved um the actual court scenes is like ace attorney meets this sort of mad arcade shooter where you're shooting evidence bullets at the lies maybe not for everyone but this this clicked with a lot of people i think it is best known on Vita, so while available elsewhere, including Switch now, um, this this is a this is just forever associated with Vita for me. Um, for me, it's between one and three. I think two is a little overrated because it's got this really horrible sexualized rabbit in it, which I, which I find very off putting. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I'll stick with the original and rabbit free best. <laughs> Yeah, so this is actually a blind spot for me, the visual novel thing. I was going to use that as a stick to beat you with, that I have four of these games, is it, on um, my Switch now? And they cost me, like, 40 quid for all of them. That was pretty good. Um, Yeah, I mean, that is, like, you can definitely buy these games for cheaper elsewhere. Um, But, yeah, it's it's made with Vita in mind, uh, uh, I think. I think it's like, it's a bit like, it was originally a PSP game as well, um, the first one. I, I do not know. Yeah, I think it was originally like uh, maybe J- Japan only on PSP, but um, okay, yeah, that's just uh, from memory. But yeah, um, yep. So good pick. I think like Hollow Mammy, you're right. This is like closely associated with the um, the Vita. If you want like a vanguard of that whole visual novel genre, this is kind of the one, isn't it? Um, mm. So that makes sense, Matthew. Uh, yep, um, I will eventually play this series and have thoughts on it. And um, <laughs> when Lucy comes on the podcast, I'm sure she will as well. But um, as long yes. as the thought isn't that rabbit's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if it is, I wouldn't say it on this podcast, which, um, as we established, is not a horny podcast. So oh, yes, you're not horny on Maine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can I get away with this for this genre? Uh, got two picks here, so kind of a tough one because I've actually got two things I can put in category two: racing or platformer. Okay, but it's which one do I go for? Tell you what, first of all, I'm going to take stories, a visual novel or story-centric game, and I'm going to take The Unfinished Swan, which oh, is... Oh, interesting, okay. Yep, it's a um, game by Giant Sparrow, the makers of... Uh, oh, why have I forgotten it? Uh, what Remains of Edith Finch? It's, yeah. It's their, I think, their first game, I think. Um, it was released for PS3 originally. They did a version for um, PS Vita. I think it's very nicely at home on handheld. A game where you sort of um, go around learning the story of this king... Um, 
and then you are kind of essentially painting the environment like firing different blobs of paint at the environment to kind of interact with the world and make the story kind of continue um the story goes to some interesting places and then um <laughs> arguably um has some strong connections to um edith finch that you can spot in that game um mm-hmm. kind of like i picked this because i don't feel like i'm on solid ground with visual novels to just pick one out of nowhere like your steins gates and the like and i also did want to pick something that was readily available on switch like um uh grim fandango for example is on here all the telltale games i think like the wolf among us and um mm-hmm. walking dead are on here but i thought again you'd probably want to play those elsewhere and import your saves um onto the next seasons of those so the unfinished mm-hmm. one felt like a good compromise a playstation exclusive story-centric game by a developer of a, a, a true kind of modern storytelling classic that people might have missed matthew thoughts on that one yeah i mean a, a really nice case for this one um and you're right i think if you picked i would have been disappointed if you'd picked one of the telltale games like there's something disappointing that i was looking at lists of like 10 best vita games on like big gaming sites and like when one of them's the walking dead you're like really like this is as good as it got you know <laughs> come on like I, I don't know that doesn't that doesn't feel right to me yeah um so yeah a uh, 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 distinctly vita thing a, a good pick okay cool uh and next up i'm gonna go for free pick and i wonder if you'd have guessed that i'd pick this i'm gonna take XCOM Enemy Unknown Plus. I didn't even look at this. Yeah, so I've picked this because I think XCOM Enemy Unknown, which this this version features content from Enemy Within as well, despite the name. The Firaxis reboot of the XCOM series um, that kind of like brought a new control scheme to this game to, to this series to make it very accessible for newcomers. This game is not available on Switch. It's um, available on uh, iOS and stuff, but. Which it is good iOS port, but if you, I think on a handheld, this would be um, right at home. Um, I really love the kind of vibe of this game, like the um, the kind of going into small American towns feel of it, and then like poking around till the aliens appear, the tension of it, as opposed to the kind of more of an adrenaline rush approach the genre taken with XCOM Two. Um, mm. So I think that it works. It works really, really well. Um, just a, a kind of simplicity to um, Enemy Unknown that I love. Perfect to play for about half an hour, then save it and kind of move on. So, um, mm. thoughts, Matthew? Great pick, and I, I love the game. I must admit, I don't know the Vita version. I don't know how well it runs or works or whatever. But um, you know, if it's if it's great, it's a a game I would fully enjoy having on the move. So, yeah, yeah, it's slightly a weird one because it kind of released in a sort of like it released like in 2016, I think. It was out years after the original, and it just sort of came out of nowhere. Maybe it may seem like a slightly weird pick, but. I didn't have anything I thought was more compelling for for the free pick category, so that was kind of why I got this one off the board. But um, mm. yeah, I, uh, I'm very, very fond of XCOM Enemy Unknown. So yes, that's mine. Your next two picks, Matthew. For wildcard, I'm going to take Persona 4 Dancing All Night. Wow, okay, yeah. Completing the Persona 4. Would have been weird if I'd have picked that, but not the uh, had the other one, but yeah. Well, I was fully planning to take it if you did pick Persona 4, which is what made me think about it. And actually, it's a game that hones in on one of my favourite bits of Persona, which is the music. It's a dancing game. Uh, not, I wouldn't say, like, you know, it's not the most sort of complicated or maybe sort of accomplished rhythm game. Like, there are maybe better technical rhythm games available um but i think a lot of them are sort of um vocaloid type things and that's not really my bag i didn't really feel like i could i could talk about that on, on this podcast um, without getting severely burned by you 
true. Yeah, I'm going with this because what it does have is the incredible Persona production values. It's got all the characters you love on Persona 4, so in my head... You're going to play the game, because obviously it's on my Vita, need I remind you. Um, you're going to fall in love with all these people, and then you're going to get to spend some more time in a not-as-good story mode, but a story mode nonetheless, dancing away, looking at the mad graphics. I mean, ironically, you're too busy focused on hitting button cues to actually enjoy the quite incredible production values of this game, but so it goes in, in, in music games. Yeah, I just think this is, this is going to be a really fun like one-two punch. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a good choice. I didn't even really think about this as a pick, to be honest. Like, um, yeah, I, I suppose that like there is, uh, yeah, there is an argument to having both. If you're a Persona fan, you're offering that completionist angle, Matthew. Um, yeah, good, good. Um, not a series I've ever played, really. Is there like, um, you, there's like another spin-off of um, Persona, right? Is there a fighting game series? Oh. Yeah, there's a fighting game. Um, there are also on Vita um, music games based on 3 and 5, which by all accounts aren't as good. They're, they're just not the full package. It's more like... They're almost like sort of glorified expansion packs. It's just like, here's some music that you dance to. Yeah. But this one is 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 like the full deal. Yeah, okay. Good, good stuff. So what's your next pick, Matthew? For re-release... Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take final fantasy tech 10 and 10 2 hd remaster yep listeners this podcast will know i'm not like a huge final fantasy guy compared to you but uh i have played this one i've played 10 anyway i played it through with Catherine. uh we we played it through on playstation where it's available um you know probably slightly sharper version um but these are two really good uh I've played ten. I haven't played ten too. Ten is is a uh, you know a really neat story. Really great characters. Um, you get to go on a real little trip with them. I actually think the the way the story is structured, in that it's quite a little linear path with little story bites along the way, makes it actually re- reasonably decent choice for portable play. Like it feels not something that you necessarily need to lose you know hours and hours and hours in a massive session i think you can dip into this i think it is it is friendly um i think final fantasy is so associated with sony i wanted some final fantasy on my um console obviously you have a lot of roots into it on psp and uh the ps1 games um but this one's quite sexy plus it's two games uh for the price of one so uh yeah let's let's get it done yeah um, I uh, did play this um, when I re- finally did replay Final Fantasy X and they did the HD version. I, this was you're about to tell me it's fucked on Vita. No, no, it's really good on Vita. Um, Phew. It's like be- <laughs> it's like better on Vita than like Enemy Unknown Plus is on Vita. Like it's like really quite neatly calibrated for it. Like the menus and stuff. It's and the performance is really really good. Like it was. It's like the full. It's the full game. Looked fantastic. Mm. Uh, what I will say is you can get this exact same collection on Switch and it looks just as nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one downside, but it was my second pick and Final Fantasy X is one of my favourite games of all time. So yeah, you'll get no arguments I, from me there. My original plan, when I went second, obviously there was Tearaway, but my vindictive move was to take <laughs> Metal Gear for Action Adventure and this for re-release and then see what you did in re-release. <laughs> yeah, it would have been tough for sure. Um, I, I mean, there's two God of War games collection. Yeah, that's true. I also could have got away with Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three or XCOM Enemy Unknown Plus in that oh, category. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's true. This... But I, I, yeah, I, I, I was thinking about the vindictive plays. <laughs> I, I got to respect that. You know, that's um, that's <laughs> solid. Um, yeah, okay. Final Fantasy ten and ten two. Yeah, I thought these are great on Vita. Really, really good. Um, oh well, that makes me feel even better about my choice. Like I say, we played them on PS four. Um, yeah. But I, uh, I haven't played X two. 
This night yeah. is it is it worth worth good worth playing worth good is it worth playing? I would absolutely love to know what you think of it, Matthew. Like it would make for such good podcast content for you to play that game for the first time and report back. <laughs> like if Catherine could action that, that would be terrific. Because um, I would have a good time as a result. Just because it's like <laughs> I'm sure you know about the tonal changes they made with it. Like it's yeah yeah it's a bit more kind of anime targeted at young girls um mm. which uh, you know is not a stick i would use to beat it with i think that's a perfectly fine approach but it just means it's so different to 10 that like i found it a bit off-putting at the time but now i kind of see the merit of it a bit more so um yeah but uh, i would love to know what you think of the massage mini game for example that would oh, be yeah that sounds that sounds grubby as hell <laughs> Sign me up. okay good so there yeah, good, good picks there matthew i think you might actually be doing pretty well here it's pretty decent um <laughs> yeah you sound so surprised <laughs> yeah sorry about that um okay i've got another slight genre fudge here right for puzzle i'm going to take the game sound shapes do you know this game i i yeah i think i have played it in fact i think i can just about get away with this for puzzle it's kind of like yeah so it's a kind of puzzly platformer game where you basically um have to hit points in the map to kind of generate music made by the developer jessica mack uh and um was part published, uh, sorry, part developed by Sony um, Santa Monica, as they would do at the time, like they did with um, Journey, I think. So, yeah, they, um, it's like, it's a game where you, you hit these nodes to activate music, and you try and navigate these environments where you kind of play a little fried egg man, I would say, like a little fried egg ball <laughs> thing. And um, it's about using your momentum to, like, get over the next jump, and then, like, um, uh, switching between like light and dark to stick to different bits of the environment to kind of navigate it almost reminds me a bit of box boy crossed with loco roco matthew um yeah yeah sort of in that ballpark but has really fucking rad music that's the thing with um jessica max games so just the music is fantastic so yeah i i am um, i i think it's a slight fudge for this for puzzle but i think this is like a real treat that makes more sense on vita than it does on ps4 which is somewhere else you can play it um thoughts yeah. matthew yeah yeah that does that sounds absolutely fine to me. I, in my head, I group this in with the kind of loco roco kind of patapon kind of uh, branch of sort of weird shape based musicy platformer things. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, yeah, I, I'm very very fond of it. And like, um, I did also have for this category had Fez and Thomas was alone. Um, those, but- were the, yeah, those were, those were the two the two I had. Is Thomas with alone actually good? Yeah, it is. That is a good game. Also. A defining um, Vita indie game, I think. Like, yeah. um, like definitely, like one I remember breaking out on Vita a little bit, and then you're not a fan. I don't know. I, I did enjoy it, but sometimes I do think, isn't this just a load of jumping boxes with a bit Danny Wallace on top? <laughs> yeah, but like this is also you got to put it in the context of the indie movement at the time. Like this, there wasn't anything like this around at the time. You know, it was like, and it was it was a new kind of. It was just a different age, I would say. Um, yeah, I just think the central thing of it isn't that interesting. Yeah, but like, it's a, it's that, a... There, that there are shapes that jump with different like behaviours. But eh. yeah, again, like um, I, I kind of feel like it's Box Boys a little bit similar to this as well in some ways. Yeah, yeah, and you, and you are right in that it's of its of its era. It's a it's a big you know it's sort of blockbuster indie yeah if that makes sense what i will say is sound shapes i think like stands the test of time really nicely like i played this yesterday to make sure that i um you know still believe that this is very good and I, I, the music is fantastic and you have it's like a level designer um function built in as well you could build and share levels not sure if you still can but 
that was really good make your own music and make people play the levels to interact with the music just great stuff really um really kind Ooh. of um, complete and i think that even if people don't know it i think they would really appreciate discovering it on this console so yeah mm. that's that one and i've got one other pick let's just like upset matthew castle by picking wipeout 2048 for racing or platformer category two <laughs> Um, I think this is fantastic. So what is different about this Wipeout game, which has never been really released on other formats, um, kind of a common theme with a lot of the stuff on, I've picked for this Vita, is that it, it is set in a, it's in a more contemporary setting, but with the kind of like Wipeout-y kind of um, vehicles, floating vehicles and combat. Um, so you get these quite real-world locations with like, that are rammed with detail, just look fantastic, while you're kind of doing this high-speed um, wipeout action. And it has like multiple routes through the levels as well, different kind of paths you can take. Really, really impressive. Another visual showcase for this, um, this console. I feel like I wonder, wonder if I maybe should have picked something more indie there, but I feel, like, I feel like this is compelling to a certain generation of PlayStation gamers. There's a little bit of swinging for the popular vote here. But I do think it's legit good. And I'm not like massive on all of the Wipeout games, but this and Wipeout HD, I'm a, I'm a kind of huge fan. Um, and I think that just playing it, it, it feels like the most contemporary of those games. It doesn't feel like you're constantly dinging into the sides and getting messed up, which is how I kind of remember mm. Wipeout in my head a little bit. A little bit gentler, a little bit more up to date. Thoughts, Matthew? I don't really like Wipeout. And this isn't this isn't like a particular dig at this this one. I think the, re- the reasoning sound, um, I just don't like Wipeout. It's sort of boring F-Zero. Like, when it first turned up, I think the culture and the style it was tapping into was, like, five years too old for me. You know, like, I was, like, 14 or whatever when this this first came out, and it felt like, the you know, the music was trying to tap into whatever was going on in sort of dance music at the time. Like, this, I can't even talk about it eloquently because it's, it's such a scene which is not in my wheelhouse. This is so aimed not at me. This was aimed at people who were, like, 18 to 21 when it first came out and students and i just was i was too young and and it, it, i've just never my life has never crossed over with with wipeout where it has made sense for me but a big exclusive like you say very shiny sony people like it i guess i mean they keep making them so uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but well, yeah. they actually actually haven't made one for 10 years now it's been a long time oh. um this was the last one i think um so oh, yeah, right. but I, I, it's it's got long loading times. That's the bad thing about it. Um, but it, it looks fantastic. Like one, of, it's probably technically the best looking game I've played on the the console. So uh, oh okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, it was it was between this and a slightly pared down version of Need for Speed Most Wanted by Criterion, which was also very technically impressive. But right, because this is made for the hardware, and I think it's a bit more PlayStation. I ultimately went for it, Matthew. So. Uh, yeah, oh, just just give me give me basically like thirty F zero characters who are basically sitting in like varying colours of rectangles, <laughs> sort of cubes flying around a big blue hand any day of the week. Are you that's gonna, what I say. Are you going to take that Wipeout fans? Vote Samuel Roberts on Backpage Pod on Twitter. Oh yeah, um, listen. If you like Wipeout, please vote for Samuel because we will never be on the same page. <laughs> okay, amazing stuff. I'm quietly confident. We are not a big Wipeout podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, probably fair. So, uh, Matthew, uh, we've got two more picks from you, right? Yes. Um, Are these my last two? No. No, you've got one more after that, right? Yeah, yeah. God, there's so many picks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, for free pick, I'm going to take Zero Escape, the nonary games, which is the double pack of the first two Zero Escape games, uh, 999 and Virtue's Last Reward which are 
the first two parts of of an amazing trilogy. The third part is also on Vita. I haven't taken that. Uh, it's arguably the weaker of the parts. They are readily available everywhere else. They're, they're technically DS games, the first two, I'd say. Uh, the first one definitely was started on DS. But they're really, really compelling mixture of visual novel and puzzle game where you're locked in these sort of games of death. It's all a bit sore. There's like a strange puppety figure giving you instructions. Um, you're stuck with quite unlikely anime characters. So a bit... That- like much less obnoxious though than Danganronpa uh, and then you solve kind of locked room mysteries sort of point and click adventure puzzles in between uh, the visual novel segments uh, between these two they're they're some of the best thriller writing in any video games um I, I think that it's only sort of been downhill from there for the for the guy who made them. He did that um, World's End Club recently um, and uh, AI, the Somnium Files, which I actually liked, but it, it nowhere near as, as good as these. Um, this is just a Matthew Castle heart choice. Uh, I love these weird Japanese puzzle thrillers. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to fill up my Vita with that goodness. Yeah. This is, a, again, a, a, an angle I can't really hit with the Vita. It's arguably the weakness of my list. But um, I don't know. This, um, yeah, so it's a, I, I've always heard these are very good, Matthew. I always get mixed up with Danganronpa in my head. But um, I'd honestly be lying if I said, like, these are the natural home of them or that they are associated. with. Like, they are not considered Vita classics, hmm. you know. Um, two and three are, are, are maybe more readily associated with them. I played two on... Uh, 3ds um they're available on pc um you'll be able to play them on steam deck i guess and i they i don't think they are available on switch no i don't think so which does make them i would say more compelling as a pick yeah a little yeah a little bit more but um yeah they're just yeah a, a really a really great pair of games um and once you've played them you can uh well you won't be able to play the third one on my vita so <laughs> You'll just never know how the story ends, so enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tough shit, Matthew Castle. Um, okay, uh, so have you got another pick? Is that right? Yes, yeah. I have. Let me just. So I'm just. Shh. Matthew's there going, what are the visual novels? Can I stuff onto this thing? <laughs> I mean, I I think in the Venn diagram of of our listeners and visual novel fans, there would actually be quite a lot of crossover. Oh yeah, for sure. That's why I think it's like a strong angle of attack for you. Um, so, you know, it's it's fine. But don't worry, I will mess this up. For Shooter, I'm going to take... I don't know if this is pronounced. TXK? T times K. Okay. Um, Llama Soft, Jeff Minter's sort of Tempest Me Do thing. Um, <laughs> this Tempest Me Do, like, um, sort of like Metroidvania yeah. as a genre classification. I mean, so close that they sort of legally stopped the, the other ports of this. And he worked on... I can't remember what they called it in the end. Was it Tempest 4000 or something? Okay. I'm pretty sure the Vita is the only place you can play the game that is called TXK or Team Times K. This is going to be like a real Marmite choice for some. Like you are you either big into the Jeff Minter thing or you aren't, which is sort of like wireframe graphics with incredible arcade hecticness smeared over the top they're very very pure games they're mechanically very pure they're very tightly tuned they've obviously tap into this great arcade heritage but they are also quite like nightmarish if you aren't into that thing because it just throws all the shit at you it's like being stuck inside a music visualizer at times and i you know i know lots of people who bounce off this isn't i i'm pretty sure there was the famous 
someone gave like space draft like one out of ten rings a bell rings a bell yeah like i swear one of the big sites took a big old shit on something which lots of people (laughs) absolutely love and revere and it's like one of their infamously misjudged um scores right um it's a bit like the god hand whatever three or whatever it was i know people who are much more into the jeff minter thing than i am i can still appreciate this and like this um i won't lie like i was looking at other shooters Killzone Mercenary, I simply cannot endorse a Killzone game, even though it is quite pretty and it plays nice enough. I just, Killzone, I just cannot get be part of that. Um, <laughs> actually, I take that back. I may be part of it later. Um, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, I want to say I'm not into Killzone, but I reserve the option to maybe be a bit into Killzone, <laughs> should the need arise. <laughs> Matthew really did struggle with that PSP shooter category, clearly. It's a f- it's an unbelievable fucker. Um, <laughs> I was also sort of tempted by Super Stardust Delta, the housemark sort of uh, well, it's unfair to call it like sort of geometry wars because I've, I imagine it. Does it predate it or does it come at the same time? I think it slight, comes slightly after, slightly after. Okay, but you're you know you're you're just sort of zipping around a big three D orb, blasting retro things into loads of particles. Hmm. Um, these are games which really fizz and come alive on PS4, but as a Vita thing, very very attractive. Um, I quite liked it, but no, I thought let's go with this. You can only play it on Vita. Let's let's get a bit of Minter on there because you know what a, what a name to put on the box. <laughs> so I do understand just reading about it in the background, Matthew, that Tempest Four Thousand is basically this game, but re-released yeah. in other formats. But I suppose yeah. like you can say the only version of this game, like technically, is on this console. So that is you know that's good. Maybe I oversold the exclusivity is the reason I picked this. I picked it because it is the the shooter I, I I have the most affinity with. Did you think about the Velocity games at all? They kind of crossed my mind. Yeah, I've played a bit of the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they are good. Yeah, and the, the 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 whole switching between sort of scrolling shooter and sort of platforming things really really neat as well. Yeah, um, yeah, that is that that would have been a good shout, but. Um, you know, I'm going for this because, if anything, it will earn me Rich Stanton's vote. <laughs> <laughs> that is what matters, ultimately. But will he even listen to this because he's so busy playing Elden Ring? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. That's what I'm gambling on here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yep, um, good stuff, Matthew. Uh, should we recap where we're at so far? Um, yeah. Cool, I'll, I'll just read mine and you read yours, yeah? Cool. Yeah. Um, okay, yep, so... Um, so far, I've got, uh, for shooter, I've got Uncharted Golden Abyss. For racing or platformer, I've got Wipeout 2048. For RPG or action adventure, I've got Tearaway. For re-release, I've got MGS HD Collection. For puzzle, I've got Sound Shapes. For fighting game, I've got Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Um, and for visual novel or story-centric game, I've got The Unfinished Swan. And for free pick, I've got XCOM Enemy Unknown Plus. How about you, Matthew? That's a strong lineup, isn't it, when you say it all like that? Sounds all right, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Oh, tough, tough break, Uncharted. You're up against uh, T times K for shooter. <laughs> um, for gra- uh, racing platform, I've got Gravity Rush, my favourite. Uh, for RPG action adventure, I've got insert uh, heavenly angelic noises. Uh, Persona Four Golden. Uh, for re-release, I got Final Fantasy X uh, X2 HD Remaster. For wildcard, I got Persona Four Dancing All Night. Uh, for indie game, I've got Hotline Miami. For puzzle, Luminaire's Electronic Symphony. Uh, for visual novel slash story centric game, I've got Dangan Romper Trigger Happy Havoc. And for free pick, Zero Escape: The Nonary Games. 
Nice. So quite fairly close, I would say. Um, yeah, slightly different vibes. Yeah, I would say so, um, for sure. Mine is like quite nerdy and dweeby. I wonder if both of us have missed the indie element of the console a little bit, but it's hard I, to... I just got... Yeah. I just felt that there were a lot of them. I was like, eh... I can play it everywhere else, and it just didn't seem as exciting to me. Yeah, they're just on Switch, most of them. That's the thing. Like yeah. the, the vast majority of them are just on Switch now. Um, so it is tough, but uh, yeah. There's, I'd say there's still another biggie, which I would say is very Vita-centric. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, my next two picks, yeah? Um, my final yeah. two picks, in fact. So for indie game, I'm going to take Spelunky. Oh, interesting. That wasn't what I was thinking about. Oh, what was it you were thinking? Undertale. Oh yeah, uh, again that's on Switch though, isn't it? Like I suppose Bonky is too, but like, yeah, I don't know. Undertale, I, Undertale is just so widely available. I can't think of it as a PC game as well. But anyway, okay, yeah, I don't know why I, that just crossed the line into Vita land for me. It is on like um, whenever you look at like the best sellers on Vita, it is always very high. But um, mm. no, I got I got with Spelunky because I think that like in terms of a kind of pick up and play um sort of game mm. like this is kind of what i loved about the indie games on vita is a lot of them were like repeatable experiences like hotline in miami where I, where I just mm. it's kind of an arcadey vibe you know and so obviously um splunky is kind of a, a roguelike kind of like um side scrolling platformer kind of dungeony navigation sort of game with like um, a big sort of um for a long time had like a daily challenge element obviously you won't get that on the vita but it's still a very deep and rich game um and just just incredibly addictive and, and well done and kind of perfect for the format in question. Um, mm. Were you a big, big Splunky guy, Matthew? Uh, no. <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, a, a really influential um, roguelike game. Um, I wanted Hotline Miami. I'm still happy with Spelunky. Um, I just remember, like, when people were talking about indie games on Vita, this is one of, like, the core, core techs, as it were. And, um, yeah. Um, I say, well, yeah, original Spelunky... Let's go. That's my indie game. I went on holiday once with um, Tom Francis when Spelunky was not yet exploded, and he played Spelunky on his laptop the whole holiday. Um, <laughs> and that isn't a, that isn't a, a dig or anything because I spent the whole tr- holiday playing uh, Dragon Quest on DS and <laughs> annoying the shit out of everyone with tavern music. <laughs> <laughs> It was quite a quite a cursed holiday in hindsight. Yeah, was... my friend Martin ate so uh, we we had an eclair sucking competition in the car, a Cadbury's eclair sucking competition, and one of his teeth rotted away. <laughs> wow, I'm uh, so sad I wasn't there. Um... <laughs> to this day, he's still cross about it. Yeah. <laughs> like it wouldn't have happened otherwise. I'll always remember that as the Spelunky holiday and the holiday where <laughs> Martin's mouth fell apart. <laughs> Okay, good. Well, there's a there's a good um, talking up of my pick. <laughs> there's a little bit of anecdotal action for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, okay, my final pick is um, Odin Sphere. Uh, how do I pronounce this? Leaf Thrasir on um, <laughs> <laughs> on uh, PS Vita, of course, on PS Vita. They all are. You what? <laughs> so this is a re-release or remake of um, uh, what I think is a PS2 Vanillaware cult classic. The um, Vanillaware, of course, made uh, 13 Sentinels, um, kind of big, modern, sort of culty game. This is a kind of a side-scrolling um, action RPG, uh, like really kind of like beautiful-looking kind of like anime graphics. I absolutely adored this on PS2, that they brought it to um, to Vita, uh, looking even nicer, even sharper. And um, a big big Vanillaware uh, sort of like um, representation generally on this console, but another kind of Ooh. one of the odd things about it, I suppose. 
But um, yeah, I really kind of love this as a kind of like 2D side-scrolling kind of beat-em-up take on an RPG. I think people mm. would really appreciate discovering it on here if they haven't already. You can play on PS4, but it's not on Switch or anything. So I, I personally think that the art style for this really beautiful-looking game is spot-on for Vita. So if I want to offer people something slightly unusual but definitely acclaimed um, 93 on Metacritic, this one, um, then uh, here we go. It's... Um, Odin Sphere, just don't maybe see the last bit of the uh, part of the title. It's just, uh, let's just say Odin Sphere, but yeah. Um, so, yes, any thoughts on that one, Matthew? Did you ever play this? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. I, I did contemplate uh, Muramasa yeah. um, for this, which is also Vanillaware, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, good run for them on this console. They're very well suited. Their art style and their, I guess, technical requirements were very well suited to... to to Vita, so um, yeah, I'm not not surprised to see them popping up somewhere in this draft. Indeed. So we're on to your final pick, Matthew. Which I cannot wait for this pick. Let's see what happens. It's, it's a fighting game, and I thought, listen, I've got to be true to myself. I've, I thought, is there a single fighting game on this thing that I have played and I like? Um, so I've picked. I'm going with uh, Nidhog. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Um. Maybe not the natural home of it. <laughs> like it has got, uh, I believe, a mode where you can play it two players on one Vita. Has <laughs> it really? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> could you? Uh, yeah, was it? Could you play it online originally? Did that close down as a feature? Yeah, yeah. but let's. Um, I mean, can you play this machine online? I'm guessing. Nah, I don't think so. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Well, that's that's good. Um, but listen, it's the little sword fighting game where two like jelly babies sort of gut each other, and then all kinds of stuff sprays out. Uh, this um, pure nostalgia pick. Uh, this was quite big in the office for a while. PC gaming used to play it and scream Nidhog at each other, um, which is probably why it's sort of embedded deep in my psyche. Sounds annoying. Sounds annoying, honestly. You wouldn't have liked it. <laughs> You were, you were, you were right when you took over PC Gamer to shut down fun. Uh, <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, you you guys were into more sophisticated things. <laughs> um, I just remember because it's so simple. People has that sort of mania where they become attached to like weird sort of techniques in it and they started giving like nicknames to things and i remember there was a tactic where you could kind of crawl along the floor by sort of tapping down a lot and you'd kind of shuffle along and um owen then web editor on pc gamer thought he looked like a wildebeest and he kept shouting it's the wildebeest it's the wildebeest um, every time he performed this weird move um so for those two absolutely baffling anecdotal reasons <laughs> uh, that's now one of the 10 vita games i've decided to save it's a it was a good suggestion you got you managed to like get yourself out of the corner where you had to pick a game that you had no interest in um and i, I respect that i may have asked around the office today what's a good fighting game for this um <laughs> which someone said isn't that cheating and i was like i don't get into like the weeds of what is and isn't cheating in the draft i mean come on <laughs> who cares? like yikes <laughs> yeah you're more you're more sort of worried about the rules than i am <laughs> and uh, people in the office tried to convince me to pretend that I liked Skullgirls, whatever that is. Yeah, 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 um, claimed. But I didn't know if that was actually just setting me up and it's actually some kind of sort of incredibly raunchy anime fighter. <laughs> Did you not just Google it and find out? I had a sandwich to eat, didn't I? 
Yeah, a um, uh, sort of like um, southern fried chicken and lettuce <laughs> and mayo sandwich, if I'm not mistaken. Bingo! Yeah. <laughs> if I'd put my hands on that keyboard, they wouldn't have been touching my southern fried intermezzo again. <laughs> <laughs> so Nidhogg it is. Um, I hope it plays well on Vita, because it's now one-tenth of what you can play on Vita. Okay, well, that's um, that's good, Matthew. We have wrapped up the main draft bit. So let's um, just recap. So for Category 1 Shooter, I've got Uncharted Golden Abyss. I've got T times K. For Category 2 Racing or Platformer, I've got Wipeout 2048. I've got Gravity Rush. Category 3 RPG or Action Adventure, I've got Tearaway. I've got Persona 4 Golden. It's Clash of the Titans. (laughs) Category 4 Re-Release, I've got Metal Gear Solid HD Collection. I've got Final Fantasy XX2 HD Remaster. For Category 5 Wildcard, I've got Odin Sphere Leaf Thrasser. (laughs) (laughs) I've got Persona 4 Dancing All Night. Category 6, Indie Game, I've got Spelunky. I've got Hotline Miami. Category 7, Puzzle, I've got Sound Shapes. I've got Luminaire's Electronic Symphony. Category 8, Fighting Game, I've got Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I've got Nidhogg, Home of the Wildebeest. <laughs> Category 9, Visual Novel or Story-Centric Game, I've got The Unfinished Swan. I've got Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc. Category 10, Free Pick, I've got XCOM Enemy Unknown Plus. I've got Zero Escape, The Nonary Games. Okay, let's get to the bonus categories then, Matthew. So we've got uh, five here. We've got across PS1 and PSP. They have to be available on either the European or American store, digital stores. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, um, I get to pick first from these. So we've got um, PS1 or PSP RPG for number one. Number two is PS1 or PSP Shooter. Number three is Action Adventure or Open World. Number four is Platformer. Number five is Free Pick. So yes, so these do, you are... start, do you start this with one pick? Uh, yeah, that makes sense, I think. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, maybe we should just do one pick each in this one? Or... Yeah, let's just go one, one. Yeah, because it's not that many of them, is there? So, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So, I'm going to go first. Um, going to take uh, Category 3, Action Adventure, Open World. I think it makes sense for this one. I'm going to take the original Metal Gear Solid. So, you get the first three games in this series on um, on my Vita. There are so many good games to pick in these five categories from across the digital archives, which is why I make the point about the Vita being, um, you know, um, I think beloved uh, as, as much for being a retro console as it is for being um, a phenomenal um, kind of like indie machine or whatever. But yes, um, Metal Gear Solid, I played the original Metal Gear on Vita many, many times. Um, looked fantastic. Uh, still looks fantastic. Can't play it on any other modern handhelds. Um, Mel gets solid. It's a classic, Matthew, and um, I have all three of them on on this Vita, which feels. Congrats! That, that's what I was talking about. Trying to build a fun little library. Yep, that was uh, that was the play. I think so. Um, yeah, Mel gets solid. What's uh, your first pick, Matthew? I'm going to go for RPG. I'm going to take Persona Three Portable. Similar tactic, I see. Yeah, I'm just trying to round out my collection now. Uh, I've got. I've got to say, I haven't played the PSP version of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that it, it it comes after Persona Three, but it isn't held in as high regard. It isn't a golden slash royal style um, do over. If anything, it's slightly crushed down. Um, instead of uh, you know the the map to navigate, it's kind of reduced to sort of static art and clicking on menus. Still has the character, still has the story. It adds a female protagonist, if you'd rather play as her rather than the guy. So you can see a girl shooting herself in the head a lot because that's how they summon their, their sort of personas in this. That isn't just me being weird. <laughs> um, but, you know, at its heart, it still has all the, you know, the great persona action you like. Um, I'm pretty sure it has some of the mechanical 
gubbins added for persona 4 brought into this so it's a little bit mechanically it's probably like the fullest version of persona 3 which maybe balances out um the absence of like the full world experience um but i'm confident in having three four and a weird ass dancing game yeah that's good a good pick um i would say that even with the compromises it's still well worth playing um you get you know the full story content in it and stuff um it is all it is mostly navigation the compromises um yeah uh, i have this on my on my ps feature as we speak it's uh yeah terrific little game and um it goes for a pretty penny these days the physical version so yeah people want that umd so yes mm-hmm. good pick matthew <laughs> um that's lots and lots of persona and uh, no stealth on your PS Vita. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, interesting. So next up, I'm going to take the platformer category, category four, and I'm going to take Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Oh, interesting. Okay. So um wanted a bit of variety here. This is another game that is not available on the, um, the Switch as we speak. It's on some other modern formats like PS4. Um, the It was originally released on PS1, of course, which is the version you're getting here. Um just uh yeah a gorgeous looking ps1 original you know what it is you know go through a castle then it turns upside down or something something like that um <laughs> admittedly i'm not as experienced with castlevania as matthew but i still think it's a good pick thoughts matthew that's what happens when we record this podcast we get halfway through then i turn upside down every week <laughs> that's why the second half is always less coherent <laughs> <laughs> that is what happens though right um I, J- yeah, yeah 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 you do the castle and then it's like surprise You've got the castle to do again. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool twist that. So um, yeah, I think this is a uh, another one that I always put on a um, put on my PSP on my PSV too, just from my um, PS3 archives. Just uh, mm. having this one, an all time Castlevania classic on the go, seems like a good a good fit. So um, what's your next pick, Matthew? Uh, my next pick is for action adventure. I'm gonna take Resident Evil Two. Oh yeah, good pick. I'm only taking this because it is a pain in the ass to kind of get these days. I know because I was trying to play it before the remake came out um, to sort of refresh myself. And in the end, I had to like reset my PSP to the US store because you can't buy it in the UK store. Right. Uh, and just outside of PSP, it's a, it's a, a you know, a not, not readily available unless there's a really mainstream way I've forgotten. Don't think there is. No, I can't think of it. Can't think of one. No, not legally anyway. Nah. Uh, and that's what we're all about. Yeah, I mean, it's Resident Evil 2, isn't it? It's classic. It still holds up. I, Like I said, I played it before the remake. I think the remake, you know, while stunning, changes a lot of stuff. Uh, that the original still 100% has a lot of quirks, a lot of weird stuff, which isn't in... If anything, it's an even more valuable companion piece to see what didn't make the cut and you can compare and contrast. Yeah, I and mean, it's Resident Evil 2. It's an absolute classic. I still, to this day... Remember the first time I ever saw Resident Evil 2, which was on some Channel 4 show, and they showed a little clip of uh, the zombies coming out of the mortuary um, body, you know, containers, whatever they're called. Yeah. The the morgue kind of war, and thinking, that's like the scariest thing in the world, people coming out of those things. <laughs> I can't imagine a game that is that scary. And then I got to play it in the librarian's office when her son was sick, a story I'm sure I've told on this podcast <laughs> before. Uh, uh, her ill boy, his suffering, was our game. Um, yeah, and but now I needn't rely on the librarian's boy anymore uh, because I have it on my Vita. <laughs> her ill boy, amazing. <laughs> my sick boy. Uh, very good yep um a, a really good pick i don't think the existence of the um the the new remakes have replaced these by any means if anything it kind of 
you you kind of missed the very specific type of scares these gave you in terms of perspective and stuff. And I will vouch for the um, pre-rendered backgrounds on Vita look fantastic. They've stood the test of time really mm. well. Um, I've been playing. I played the original Resi um, recently after we did our Resi um, episode, and uh, just because I was least experienced with the original Resi on PS One, and yeah, they are perfect for the Vita. Just that screen size mm. is spot on. Good pick, Matthew. So we can pick games that have been delisted, right? Because you did that for Danganronpa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, okay, so my next one isn't actually delisted, but it's um, uh, my free pick, Category 5. Um, I'm going to take Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Completed the whole set on on here that you can actually get on um, uh, PS Vita or PSP minus the Metal Gear Acid games, which are not released digitally for whatever reason. That seems um, bizarre to me. But um, Peace Walker is an absolutely jam-packed, kind of like Monster Hunter-infused a little bit, um, kind of readily available in co-op, local multiplayer um, PSP game. So, um, yeah, and I think that it's got such close ties to uh, The Phantom Pain in terms of story that it's worth having for that. But it's also just very well regarded, kind of like um, take enemies out, send them back to your base. All those mechanics from um, Phantom Pain come uh, start here. You can play this on um, Xbox One backwards compatible, but um, again, um, there isn't a contemporary handheld that can play it. I'm bringing all the four of these Metal Gear games to um, to, to my PS Vita Mini. Thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, it's got a robot that sings. <laughs> it's got like a uh, like an AI core that goes la 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 la. Uh, that's what I remember about this game. Also, a bit where you have to find some birds yeah. and take pictures of some birds. There's some quite strange um, side quests in it, like like little quests and things. Um, um, I've never played this co-op, but uh, again, uh, to drop a name, uh, Rich Stanton is a, a huge advocate of this. Um, has 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 always told me that it's quite extraordinary in its own way in that it's kind of kojima doing his sort of weird thing but with co-op um and if there's anyone i trust on this topic uh well it was you of course but <laughs> also rich yeah that's fair um so yeah I'm, I'm happy with that as a pick i think having all those yeah it's nice lovely um ashley would um cut scenes as well for the um for the how the story's presented so yes um next... this is the one with hot coldman <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And if that's not a reason mm. to get it, then what is? Um, Come on. <laughs> uh, so, what's your what's your next one, Matthew? Let's go for for my free pick. I'm gonna take uh, Final Fantasy Tactics: The War of the Lions. Ah, good choice. I haven't really got a huge amount of RPG action going on on my con. Actually, what am I talking about? I've got fucking loads. Yeah, what is that based on? That's based on <laughs> yeah, nothing I, at all. I, I, I don't know. I forgot that I'd only picked RPGs. <laughs> platformers on uh, the other hand that's where it's a bit more dire oh my god it's being upside down sam <laughs> yes it's with me <laughs> oh uh, it's uh okay it's a uh, it's a tactics uh turn-based tactics game huge complexity to it uh it, it's basically a little bit fire emblemy in that it has a similar focus on taking units and kind of leveling them up and preparing them and then when they're dead they're dead what's different is that it's got this very deep class-based system where you can create all these sort of mad combinations by teaching them skills from different different jobs and different classes in that world and so from that becomes just blossoms out this just almost sort of unfathomable world of, of strategic complexity um, wrapped up with very sort of charming style, art style and story. I don't really know where this fits into... Isn't this also part of that that weird sort of spin-off Final Fantasy story universe thing? Ivalice, the, the say, yeah. saying of uh, 12, yeah. 
Yeah, I've never really understood how all these things connect, but you don't have to worry about that. You can just in you can just enjoy it. Um, this was the PSP uh, remake or re well, yeah, sort of remaster remake. They added a few bits and bobs um, to the PS One original, um, including um, uh, freaking Han Solo from Final Fantasy Twelve. Uh, um, what's his name? <laughs> Both here. Both here. That's it. Um, yeah. Just, uh, you know, a big, deep, rich game. Um, you know, one of the most beloved PSP games. One, certainly one of the highest rated. Uh, so, yeah, on it goes. Yep, good choice, Matthew. Um, I respect your decision there. Very good. Okay, so uh, I did think about that one for RPG, but I went with something else in the end. So for um, Category 2, PS1, PSP Shooter, I'm going with R-Type Delta. Um, oh, okay. PS1 uh, sort of classic, really nice-looking uh, 2D game made with 3D models and such. Um, just an old favourite of mine. Came up in a game, the original OG Games Court, I believe. Back when it hadn't jumped the shirt. <laughs> yeah, that was pre-Kane. Um, yeah, not post-Kane in the, the bleak era we live in now. Um, this did get delisted in 2012, but te- I get it in on a technicality. Yeah, R-Type R- Delta. Like, if I was going to play a, a PSP shooter or a PS1 shooter, it would have to be something side-scrolling and not something like first or third person, I think, just because... I feel like it just never, they never quite got to that, the right level on though, in that respect, um, in the 3D kind of shooter space, so 2D kind of makes sense to me. Um, so yeah, that's what my one, Matthew. What's your next pick? For PS1 slash PSP platformer, very difficult for me, because obviously home to some of the, the rankest platforming heroes known to man, <laughs> um, the unholy trinity of Crash, Spyro and Sly Raccoon. That's why I picked the category. <laughs> no love for Sly Raccoon on Vita. I, I noticed. Oh, it's not good. It's not good that Syracuse game. I reviewed it. Couldn't you get the Ratchet and Clank trilogy on Vita and things like that? Yeah, I think Ratchet, Jack and Daxter, and um, and Sly all got re-released on Vita. Yeah. Well, it's none of those um, <laughs> because I don't want my machine tainted with them. Um, so I'm going for the not a ge- not a game I'm truly head over heels in love with, but it's very cute, sort of iconic, and feels very Sony PSP to me. Uh, I'm going to go with Loco Roco 2 for platformer. Yep, I had Loco Roco as my backup for this. So, yeah. Um, which is the sort of tilty giant ball. Sort of feels a little... Actually, I, no, I would say... I was about to say it feels a little nintendo I don't think it does. It's It feels distinctly sort of Sony... Is it Japan Studios made this? Yeah, that's right. It, and it's very of that thing. It's very sort of sleek, sort of cute, but stark with it. It's, uh, you know, of a... a doesn't have the a different kind of like warmth and character to Nintendo games. Like it's, I've, I've always thought these, this and Patapon, there was something kind of cute but kind of still slightly cool and slightly Sony about them. Uh, rather than they would never go like outright goofy nonsense. Um, <laughs> but that's fine. It's not something that necessarily completely speaks to me. But um, you know, I'll take this. Uh, a load of old balls with a face on is so much better character design than anything else Sony ever came up with in the platforming space. I like that you are suggesting that this game is somehow not goofy when it's like fucking the daftest looking motherfuckers. It is, it is daft, but do do you not, do you not, uh, there's still something kind of, you know, maybe it's just on that screen, like, you know, it looks quite sharp, but, you know, there's something quite sleek about it still. It was a perfect, Loco Roco was perfect for the PSP, like, it was a platformer that could make the most of that lovely screen, use the shoulder buttons rather than the face buttons, and just felt 
absolutely spot on. Um, mm. Yeah, so I guess it doesn't feel like... I don't think it feels like something Nintendo would make, but I think it's like got a lot of personality and oh, yeah i'm not, not knock it yeah I, sorry i didn't mean to knock it i was more it was more like it, it, i'm trying to put my finger on why sony japan's sort of cute efforts are different to nintendo's and just not articulating it very well <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's perfectly fine matthew um okay good so we get to my last pick how am i gonna play this then because i've got one thing i kind of want but i do wonder if it's not as sexy a pick as it could be uh, heart choice heart choice rpg well it, it's it's more of a logical choice over a heart choice but um Ooh. i'm gonna just do it because i think this is legit and worth having so um uh it, final fantasy 4 complete edition is my um ps1 or psp oh. rpg my final category okay so this was a psp re-release of final fantasy 4 um i think like the nicest of all the re-releases square enix ever did with like lovely fonts the whole game completely like um, redone to work in widescreen, and um, with uh, the uh, after years expansion, which here isn't very good, kind of added on as well. Um, the entire story basically in one place um, with this beautiful box art. I thought it was a, a lovely addition of it, and the pixel remasters they've done recently look nice too. But I think this like perfectly recaptures the original style, but represents it in a modern way that's quite. Um, that's just they're just. I think it was just exactly what fans of that series wanted, and I'm really sad they never did five and um, six in the same way. Um, Final Fantasy IV, for people who don't know, is um, really marks the first time they did like a proper story in the game. Uh, you play as um, uh, Cecil, this um, Black Knight who is basically sent to this village, and um, inadvertently is sent to basically blow up this village, and um, by this kind of like mad ruler, and then essentially kind of like rebels and kind of leaves the this kind of like navy essentially and then kind of goes on his own redemption quest and that was the first time they did story in final fantasy lays the kind of groundwork for everything that would follow really goes to the moon at the end as well well that's uh that's a fun thing um so yeah i think this was like you fight god in space <laughs> uh i think you maybe technically do but anyways yes <laughs> This is um again like um one of the the treats that I have on my PS Vita. I think this is a really nice like I think people appreciate having this on the Vita. I think it's the best version of this game still. Slightly easier than the DS one. The DS 3D one never quite did it for me. Um, the visual style. This looks um exquisite as a reproduction of the original thing. So that's my final pick, Matthew. What's mm. your final pick? Final Fantasy. So I've got to go with PSP shooter. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I really really struggle with this one. I always why do I not front load these weaker picks <laughs> so that we end on a high? I'm I'm actually I'm gonna I said I wouldn't earlier, but I've I've gotta I've gotta go back on my word. Um, I'm actually gonna take Killzone Liberation. Yep. On PSP, which I actually think is solid. It's a sort of top down. It's not a twin stick shooter because it's only on the one the one analog stick, but is a sort of top-down version of the Killzone universe, the brownest, most uninspiring universe of all time, <laughs> it must be said. Um, but it's surprisingly tight, running around, sort of popping up in and out of cover. i tell you what it actually reminds me of the most, is uh, The Ascent, which came out recently, is basically a very pretty, uh, you know, obviously a much more visually complicated version of this, but a very similar thing of, like, a cover-based shooter from a top-down perspective with sort of twin-stick controls. Um, it's perfectly functional. It's, uh, you know, quite pretty. It was rated at the time. PSM3 magazine gave this 88%. So, you know, 
they knew what they were talking about. I'm, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust them. <laughs> of however many years ago. It was basically this or Space Invaders Extreme, which I remember being quite good on the DS, um, but I thought, you know what, in T times K, we've already got a a really, really good arcade reinvention, so let's mix it up and um, please all the uh, Killzone fans. (laughs) Sorry, let's please the Killzone fan. (laughs) Amazing, what an amazing end. Um, This was good. This was like a sort of rock-solid 7 out of 10 kind of like... yeah. Um, End with a seven. That's what they say in the drafts. There's a, <laughs> there's a few like um, games of this ilk on PSP. Not exactly like this in terms of control, but if they didn't do this, they did like um, twin sticks. Even though they didn't have twin sticks, like um, Resistance Retribution, which had preposterous voice acting, but was quite a good shooter. Or Star Wars Battlefront Two, which is the same as the console ones, but um, but uh, with like half the units in the in the battles, um, but still pretty good. Hmm. So. I could see the bind you're in here. I did make it unnecessarily hard, this category. I should have picked something else. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, we've um, we've done it, Matthew. So let's um, recap our 15 picks. You can go vote a back page pod for the winner. We'll announce the winner on a future podcast, but we'll tweet when the winner goes um, has been determined. I'm sure it will happen very quickly. Um, so, category one shooter, I've got Uncharted Golden Abyss. I've got T times K. Category two, racing or platformer, I've got Wipeout 2048. I've got Gravity Rush. Category 3, RPG or Action Adventure, I've got Tearaway. I've got Persona 4 Golden. Category 4, Re-Release, I've got MGS HD Collection. I've got Final Fantasy XX2 HD Remaster. Category 5, Wildcard, I've got Odin Sphere on PS Vita. I've got Persona 4, Dancing All Night. Category 6, Indie Game, I've got Spelunky. Hotline Miami. Category 7, Puzzle, I've got Sound Shapes. And it's Lumina's Electronic Symphony for me. Category 8, Fighting Game, I've got Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I've got Nidhogg. Category 9, Visual Novel or Story-Centric Game. I've got The Unfinished One. I've got Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc. Free pick, XCOM Enemy Unknown... Sorry, free pick, uh, Category 10, free pick. I've got XCOM Enemy Unknown Plus. And I've got Zero Escape, The Nonary Games. Bonus categories. Um, PS uh, Category 1, PS1 or PSP RPG. I've got Final Fantasy IV Complete Edition. I've got Persona 3 Portable. Category 2, PS1 or PSP Shooter, I've got R-Type Delta. Killzone Liberation. Category 3, uh, Action Adventure Open World, I've got Metal Gear Solid. I've got Resident Evil 2. Category 4, Platformer, I've got Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Locoroco 2, very different energy. <laughs> Category 5, um, Free Pick, I've got Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. And i got Final Fantasy Tactics, The War of the Lions, Vote. which is what they call this draft. <laughs> Vote a back page pod. Um, now you've reached the end of this slightly overly long episode. You can go vote on the winner. So that's um, that is in your hands. Any closing thoughts, Matthew? Before we say goodbye, uh, the Vita is is actually pretty good. And if you can get one, get them games down before the store closes, whenever that is. Yeah, for sure. I will refer people back as well to my um, to the episode we did where I recapped some some treats to grab before the store closed. I think that was um, like relatively early in twenty twenty one that episode. So go listen to that for some of my picks. But all of the stuff we discussed here, yeah, um, very very good uh, selection of things there. Um, don't listen to Matthew's opinions on Wipeout twenty forty eight. He's just got <laughs> he's just got unresolved problems about um, dance music from the nineties. Uh, so backpage pod to vote on the winner. Um, you can get us uh, on there. Uh, so you can get us on Twitter at backpage pod, like I say. But you can also email us at backpagegames at gmail dot com if you want to send us a letter to read out in a future episode. Um, 
So, yeah, pinned tweet. That's where you can vote. Matthew, where can people find you on social media? At Mr. Basil underscore pesto. And um, we are launching a Patreon probably on April 1st. Um, I've got a very busy <laughs> two weeks up coming up, so I'm not sure if I'm going to have time to get it all sorted by then, but we'll see how it goes. Um, either way, it's coming very soon. Patreon, so there'll be um, a pay tier, and you can back us at the, um, the, the tier that you're happy with, and that'll be a, a whole fun thing. But we'll be back next week with a new episode. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.